Okay, so first off, today is the actual anniversary of the David Ayers game, is it not? It is. I thought it was tomorrow. It's not. It's today. The, the Ayers anniversary. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo! If only we we're like, man, this has got to be the low point of the season. If only we'd known what would happen two weeks later. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Life. Uh, life changed. Life changed yeah. very considerably. It, it might have been the Leafs' low point of the season, but it but life hit a low point about uh, two and a half, three weeks later. Uh, but David Ayers, the Marlies warm-up goalie, the backup to the backup to the backup, the emergency call-up, beats the Leafs last year with the Carolina Hurricanes. And an emotional win for the Carolina Hurricanes. And it was the last time Pierre Engvall had scored until recently. <laughs> Uh, yes, he scored in the 5-1 game that the Leafs blew to Ottawa, <laughs> where they came back and won 6-5. He's banned from scoring. He's How about he just doesn't score? He doesn't score. Never. God, um, a strange player. Like He, he, just, is... he looks like a giraffe. He's got this big alien head, but it's probably normal. It's just that his neck is really long. Whenever he shoots, it looks like he's holding a paintbrush. You ever notice that? He shoots like he's, like he's trying to, to sweep that. the ice. I don't think I've seen that. I'm going to have to he, check that out. I, I watched the Leafs so maniacally that they could all play without names or numbers, and I would be able to identify them. And he's one of the easiest. I think that's why I'm so fixated on him. Um, you are doing some things, though, for Sportsnet, Steve, that are special. Uh, so can you talk about any of them? Yeah. I actually just realized that this podcast won't be up until those videos are up. So there you go. There so is, go check oh, them out. Yeah. So there is one. I'm not sure when it's going up, but it is going up. Uh, when I grew up or when I was growing up, I wanted to be goalie for the Leafs. That was my driveway fantasy. I would always go in net and dad would take shots on me. The neighbor kids would take shots on me. It's how I literally discovered my manhood because when I was five years old, I blocked a one timer <laughs> with my groin. And let me tell you, I didn't know that kind of pain was a thing. Uh, so David Ayers helped me live my dream of uh, being an ice hockey goalie for the first time. He, uh, he gave me his, uh, he brought two sets of equipment to the shoot that we had one for him and one for me because COVID and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, uh, put on all the equipment, masked up and everything. And then I literally hockey masked up and I have such a ridiculous new appreciation for what goalies do. Oh, isn't it hard? It's crazy. It's, it's. I can't believe they're able to move. No, I others. I did not think the equipment was like that. You know, they always talk about it being heavy. And I'm like, yeah, but it's probably mostly the pads. Even the, the stiffness in the upper body gear. And I felt like Superman. I felt like a superhero because there's no, there's no place the puck could even hit me that would hurt. And I was saying something along the lines of that to David Ayers. I'm like, where, where would it even hit you that it would hurt? He's like, these guys shoot so hard that it doesn't matter. And like one of the worst ones is kind of like right between your shoulder and elbow. Mm. Like it's just, it's just, it's not thick enough because you do need some mobility. And if it hits you, Oh, it's just brutal. So I managed to somehow not throw out my back doing that. And the feature we shot before that, that will be up for sure. By the time this podcast is up is me versus David Ayers, a 10 shot shootout where I had 10 opportunities to score a goal on him. 
Okay. Yeah. Now you're not, you can't tell us. Yeah, he can. I no, can. No. It'll be up. No, no, yeah, yeah. the video will be but, up. But I want to hold on. I want to just guess. Can we guess oh. how many before we get into this? And before I, I don't even want to know on this podcast how many times you scored. But Jesse, I want you to guess, and I want to guess, and then I want to see how close we are. Okay. So okay. Jesse, uh, what do you give it out of ten? Uh, one. You give him one. I think, think he, I get a lucky wow. one. I th- I'm not even lucky. I think he lets you have one. Yeah, yeah. You go does. 0 for 9, and then, and then Ayers the t- is like, hey, here's one. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Steve? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice because I have seen you score a penalty shot goal. I don't know if yep. you remember this, but I, there's actually video on my Instagram page of you when you got your penalty shot goal at the Eric Lindros tro- tournament the last time we were able to do one. Yep. And uh, and you scored it, and it was big. It was a major goal. So I'm going to say you got three. Because I got a little faith. I'm going to say you got three. Uh, two were lucky, one he let in. Interesting. Okay. okay. It's very good. And we, we became fast friends talking about our various injuries. I was like, I hurt my back falling down the stairs. And he's like, my knees mangled. And I was like, that's great. And by the end of the shoot, we exchanged numbers. And the first thing he texted me was the link for like one of those electrode things that massages your muscles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that. that's the age we're at. Um, um, when you're, yes, yes, Steve, when you're old, you just bond over injuries. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you fix this? Oh, here's how. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently going to uh, rehab for my back for, um, uh, I get, um, what is it? The needle point stuff, the um, acupuncture, acupuncture, but they electrify it. Oh yeah. Have I said that that on the show? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because the muscle goes and then releases and it's uh, pretty amazing. It's fixed my, I'm sure on the past in the show, you've seen me like click my jaw and stuff like that. There was actually somebody who messaged me once and was like, Hey man, do you have a cocaine problem? And uh, I forgot. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. yes <laughs> and I was like, yes. I don't have a coke problem. I've never even tried the stuff, but I did have a, a bad job problem. I thought it was TMJ, and my guy's like, No, ninety five percent of people who think they have TMJ do not have it. Uh, it's just your back tight. Uh, TMJ is like a, a jaw thing where you, um, it's your jaw is is I think deformed and and like there's a whole oh. bunch of things that need to happen and it clicks and it pops you and you're in immense pain. I used to get headaches every day, every single day, and Fun. I don't get them anymore. It's amazing. See, it's amazing. this was the conversation between me and well, and this David is the Ayer. thing, right? You gotta <laughs> listen. If you're in your 20s and you're starting to get headaches and back pain, deal with it now because you don't even want to be 32 and waiting that long. It was pretty stupid of me. Now I want to get into who wore the crown, Jesse. Who is it brought to you by today? Today's uh, episode is sponsored by the mute button on Zoom. The mute they button say, on Zoom. <laughs> you better you better use it sometimes. But you you'll you'll read the liner, Adam. I don't need to okay, get you. Okay, you're right. Help. Sorry, I got I got it right here. Let me just uh, okay. All right, hey. So today's who wore the crown is brought to you by the mute button on Zoom. Have to pee? Why not press Why mute not? and pee during a meeting? But make sure that you in fact press mute because a friend of mine who shall remain nameless, was dealing with a high-ranking radio executive who thought they'd press mute and didn't. And he can't believe it. And it happened. What? <laughs> the guy peed. You know, I had a friend of mine who was in radio and a high-ranking exec was peeing and they didn't mute the, 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 the thing. <laughs> so, that is a, it's a common... said nothing. <laughs> a common problem in television. Um, oh and, my God, yes. So I had to wear those, those mic packs um, for every episode of ice surfing and i was so paranoid they're like oh just turn it off now i i would literally take it off and unplug it 
every time. Yeah, because no. I was just I was just so paranoid. If you work at a uh, broadcasting company, like uh, several of us have on this call right now, um, you have access to uh, the truck is what they call in the business, the truck feed. So you can see everything. And during commercials, you're still watching what's happening on the broadcast. And if people's mics are on, they're on and you can hear everything. So oh, yeah. make sure you turn your mics off if you're yes. working to you. And they they got to be careful because you never know some, some pencil neck, mm-hmm. uh, pimple face, uh, Leafs TV employee named Steve um, might have access to the backhaul feed because he's editing highlights that night. And then you might be chastising the Leafs coach for thinking he's a fucking genius about something. And uh, I've heard some stuff. <laughs> I've heard some stuff. I will not be outing people on this show. I because... can vividly remember um, watching Hockey Night in Canada growing up. And I, I probably was like 12 when this happened. And for some reason, the commercial stopped playing and they went to the feed but without the intro. So it wasn't like anybody was queued up. They should not have gone back to the studio and the two anchors. And it had to be like, uh, I mean, it was probably, I, I don't think it was Ron and Don, but it was two guys um, sitting there ready to take the next thing out of commercials. And there's probably a minute and a half of commercials left. And you just see the both of them like, oh, no. like <laughs> just sitting at the desk, it just exhausted. Um, and that's what really happens. I remember at BT, like there were several times where, um, like somebody would be peeing or, you know, going to the bathroom and forget to turn it off and they'd get, oh. you get a thing in the mic. Hey, shut mm-hmm. your mic, shut your mic, you know, but uh, like, <laughs> technology today, like I, well, I know when I worked at Sportsnet for the brief moment, I could pull up any feed just on my desktop. Cause it's just oh. it's all through the, it's all through the air and it's on a cloud server. So you can just Anywhere. type in the code and then you're just on whatever camera it is and you just watch it. Cause that's the feed you need to clip videos yeah. from and get the replays and all that. But it's all accessible if you're, if you have the right credentials. I, th- I yeah. think some hosts are like, oh, well, yeah, but it's just the crew here. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> right. No, it's not. It's like hundreds of people across the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. Watch your mouth. <laughs> that's the lesson watch your it's, mouth yeah it's wild. watch now, your mouth turn it off if you gotta go to the potty steve i want you to use your mouth and tell us who you are giving the crown to phrasing um you know we all know who the leafs mvp is we all know who the best player is so every week when you ask me who wore the crown mm-hmm. i try to think of someone who is not this person because saying this person every week would be boring can you imagine saying the same person every week couldn't be me Austin Matthews is on another goofy planet. He is on another world. 18 goals in 18 games. And man, was this guy right or what? So he had the nightmare shooting percentage in the bubble. And he didn't score in the first few games this season. Then they scrapped those microchipped pucks that both Austin Matthews and Jason Spezza said had a different weight to them. He's got something like 18 goals. Forget 18 and 18. He's got something like 18 and 14 or 15 since they changed those pucks. It's absolutely absurd. Here's how special this season is, everybody. Doug Gilmore arguably had the best single season in Leafs history. He finished, uh, he won the Selkie, finished second in Hart, and he had 127 points. Mitch Marner, right now, if this was an 82 game season, He's scoring at a 129-point pace. Wow. Matthews is 132. 
Wow. <laughs> That's how goofy this is. So right now we're like over a quarter of the way through the season, I think. And yep. he still got a realistic shot at beating Doug Gilmore's single season record for points in a season. Well, at least the pace for it. And he's got a legitimate shot at 50 and 50. This, this guy is, he should be in every conversation there is around the NHL. Even Vesna, Norris, throw him in there. Rookie of the year, give it to him again. Doesn't matter. He's he's unbelievable. So it's got to go to Austin Matthews. And nothing makes me happier than other markets bitching about seeing Austin Matthew hi- Matthews highlights. Sorry, guys, but we have to watch everybody else's highlights too. And most of the time, the Leafs were not at the top of it because they stank. So well, I think I'm okay with it. They just can't cover the Leafs then if you don't want to see Matthews highlights. He's He's got points in 17 straight games. Stupid. It's ridiculous. It is. It is. Actually, I have a theory about that. Something good. Steve brought up there. I have a theory about what you just said, but I'll hold off on it, uh, as to why Matthews is not going to win a major award this year. Oh, my God. You ready? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll save that for after. But I have an, I have a, I have an interesting take on it. I want to get your opinion, and I have proof to back it up. In the meantime, can I just give Mitch Marner a shout-out? Absolutely. Mitch Marner needs a crown. I don't think we've given Mitch Marner enough. And for Steve's same reason, we've held back on this. This is an $11 million player or 10.839 who needed to perform at a 10.839 million dollar pace. And he has. That's what we needed. This is what we needed last season. And this is what we expect. And this is what's being done. However, seeing it for real is special. It's awesome. And if he continues producing at this pace, Nobody's arguing that that money isn't worth it. That is worthwhile cash spent if you got these two guys performing at this rate. And, you know, it's funny. Babs did everything he possibly could to keep them apart. And now that you've got them together, it's sort of like, I, I don't understand why you would would hamstring yourself like that. Or, or you know, like why would you pull yourself back from that? Um, I, Nylander and Tavares haven't been bad uh, together, uh, despite what you've read in the Toronto Sun. Um, but these two are... It's not just very good. It's magic. This is something the Leaf, like a Leaf fan has never seen in their lifetime, ever. They're a top ever. five duo in the NHL. Yes. We've never, ever, ever seen this. We've seen Matt Sundin and his band of merry men. That's what we've seen. Or we've seen Doug Gilmore and, uh, again, band of merry men. Those teams in the early 90s were not supposed to be that good. They were never supposed to be that good. They were a surprise. That's what made it so exciting. But Doug Gilmore didn't have uh, another Doug Gilmore. Austin Matthews has the alternate of Austin Matthews, which is the the setup machine that is Mitch Marner. Um, and I've said in the past, listen, I'm I value goal scoring above assists. I do, I still do. But the what Mitch Marner's doing out there and the sneaky shot that he put in on Saturday, because he even said it in the broadcast, nobody sees me as a shooter. Man, that's the kind of stuff where you are going to see 120 point seasons if he stays healthy, if he keeps this up, because people will just not know what to do. It's like the Alex Petrangelo with uh, Nate McKinnon when Nate McKinnon's driving down oh the line he goes oh boy that's <laughs> the kind of thing where it's like if you keep them guessing if you're it's it's for seasons four and five when you're going to be a dominant player they have to be so bewildered by what you might do that they can't think of one thing to cover and that's sort of what happened yeah well and and Mitch Marner's shooting makes Matthew's shooting better Yes. Um, and Matthew's passing makes Marner shooting better. You know, lost in the fact that Matthew's had two goals. He had two really nice assists in that and game. It, They're a top five duo in the NHL. And let's throw this out there too. Matthew's is a pretty good defensive center as well. 
Yeah, he's uh, one of the leaders in block shots, one of the leaders in stick checks and and block passes. They were showing the other night. He's he's, honestly, you know, it's funny that we evoke Doug Gilmore. What might happen is sort of what happened to Doug Gilmore, where maybe he walks away with the Selkie, but not the heart Mm -hmm. sort of thing. He's it's the best season so far we've seen out of a leaf in our lives. Uh, but you were talking about Marner. Yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't, sorry, but it wouldn't okay. be possible. It wouldn't be possible without Mitch. Jesse, what about you, buddy? So it's very funny that uh, you gave your crown to Mitch Marner, Adam, and that Steve, you gave your crown to uh, Austin Matthews because my plan today was to give my crown to both of them. Oh. And I prepared this from Jonah Siegel to uh, give them my crown. Let's they rank it. one and two league wide in five on five scoring and are tied for second and fourth overall in the NHL scoring race. Matthews tops the goals in uh, tops in goals and five on five and non five on five. Mitch Marner trails only McDavid with 21 assists and he ties him at five on five assists. And Marner has set up 11 of Matthews, 18 goals together. He and Matthews have produced 40% of the Leafs five on five offense. That's 18 out of 45 goals. Oh, wow. My God. So, and wow. they outscore their opponents, uh, a goal share of 76%. So when Matthews and Marner are on the ice, the score is 22 to seven for the Toronto Maple Leafs. If we need just like a, a, just to put a head on that, what a, what a, what's the word I'm looking for? Put a cap on that conversation that you guys- Put a button had. on the scene. A stamp. Let's put a, put a yeah. stamp on that conversation. I think that number is it. 22 to seven when Matthews and uh, Marner are on the ice. Those two definitely deserve every crown this week. I think is that you even should give strength? them like six of them. Is that That's even strength? Yeah. Oh McDi- my God. Goes- and they're killing penalties, both of them. Points wise, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner Matthews. That's what it is in the league right now. And then yeah. Shifley is is uh, is three points behind Matthews with 26 and 18. Yes, uh, and interestingly, still in the top 10. Who, guys? Who is still in the top 10 for points? That is surprising. On the Leafs? No, no. Just in the NHL. Surprising it? top 10. I'm going to go. It's It's either like Connor Garland or Christian Dvorak or something like that. Did you see that stat where no. they, they had the top five scoring duos in the NHL? And it's like elite, 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 those two. <laughs> it was like, where Somebody did... had to score. I mean, I know they're good. I know they're good. I didn't think they were that good. Um, James Van Riemsdyk, former Leaf, still hanging oh, in there right. at number 10. He's got that's 21 right. points in 15 games. Uh, not bad. Good for not him. Not bad. Yeah, oh, it's great. You know, I mean, this not, is a guy that was, he was, I mean, his shooting percentage is 24%. So but, that might come down. But even so, I mean, this is a guy who was scratched for the playoffs last year. Yeah. $7 million player. This is good for him. I'm sure he's riding a bit of a PDO bender. You know what we also got to talk about? Goal and scoring. That, and that's who wore the crown. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, yeah. That's who wore the crown. <laughs> Brought to you by, uh, what, is it? what was it, Jesse? Uh, oh, mute the mute button on Zoom. The next time you have to pee and you're on the phone with your boss, why not? Why not? Mute. You probably should get you in a lot of trouble. Um, maybe you want to undo the dishwasher too. Let the dogs out. Do whatever it is you need to do, but use the move button on Zoom when you're doing it, so you don't get in trouble. All right. So, um, yeah, I know going into the going into the, the, the just the points leaders here, and I know this is sort of basic, but Shifley at five, K 
Kane at sixth, Backstrom at second or at seventh, Besser at eight, Huberto nine, Van Riemsdyk ten. We haven't got to the ridiculousness that is the Florida Panthers yet. Hopefully, we can get to it today. But it is just a Florida is just wild. I mean, th- that's par for the course. But actually, the Panthers are a real story this year in terms of their success and their backup goalie and their starting goalie. And it's bizarre. It's everything is weird in Florida all the time, and the Panthers are no different. So in the meantime. We do need to talk about this this Austin Matthews season. And I know you kind of hit on it there, Steve. But it is the most special season that we've seen from any single Leaf player thus far. Through 20 games, we've never seen anything like this. You can't tell me we have because we haven't. We actually have not. 18 goals, 18 games, not bad. Now, I have a question. For the same reason, Steve, that you would not give Matthews a crown for the longest time and I would not give Marner the crown for the longest time, I have a feeling that he's going to have a hard time winning any major awards. Now, the reason I have for this is I think that writers, the people that vote on these things, also take that same viewpoint. Well, it seems obvious who this person should be, but what if I went a different route? Case in point, 2017, Connor McDavid is the clear-cut favorite and the best player in the entire league. Who does the Hart Trophy go to? Taylor Hall. And what's the big distinction? And we had a huge debate about it at that time, guys. What was the big distinction? Uh, The Oilers didn't make the playoffs and Hall's New Jersey Devils did. Right. Wasn't McDavid not even nominated? How does that? I don't even remember. But how does that look in posterity? Really? Uh, Well, I so I was a Hall guy and I was wrong. Like uh, he had a magical season. He was the sole reason the New Jersey Devils made the playoffs that year. And he wasn't the best player like Connor McDavid was. Most valuable, which I think was the argument. Okay, maybe. But like, because the Oilers didn't make the playoffs, maybe that makes McDavid even more valuable to the Oilers because he was that good and they still sucked. Because they, yeah, because they didn't finish dead last. Um, The other thing I want to say is look at what happened last year. And I'm not saying Leon Dreisaitl didn't deserve it. But you you were going to try to argue to me. That Connor McDavid isn't the most valuable player on the Oilers? Well, and he was good without McDavid for like two weeks. But no one gave a shit that Nathan McKinnon literally just willed the avalanche through last season. Agreed. Despite all the injuries. Agreed. One one thing I will say, knowing that that is important criteria, Mm -hmm. how you play without certain, you you know, with with certain adversity in front of you, uh, games like tonight against Calgary – I think are going to count big because uh, boy, are the Leafs shorthanded. They are, but, but thankfully not in the high power thing. I just want to wrap this point quickly, Steve, before we get to tonight's game, because there's lots to get to there. I think what I, the point I'm trying to make is I think there's going to be a lot of writers who go, what's the answer other than Austin Matthews when it comes to the Hart trophy, when it comes to the Selkie, which is the runner up heart. Let's be honest. Well, the Selkie is the runner up heart trophy. They've written themselves. Yes, that's true. They, at least for forwards, they've written themselves into this interesting corner. Because, you know, oh, Matthews is doing good. Well, it's because of Marner. All right, well, let's have that McDavid conversation then. Let's have that dry sidle conversation then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, also, and I'm not saying – we're not saying none of those players aren't great. And you know what? One of those two, uh, dry sidle McDavid, probably wins the heart. But I'm saying Matthews maybe gets a, maybe gets a selkie nom, but I don't know if people are going to vote for him in the same way that you think, even if he does score that many goals. Because people are going to say – Writers are going to, you know, they're like this. They're going to be like, well, what about uh, somebody else on some basic other ridiculous level? Even though Matthews will clearly deserve it if he continues at this pace. It's going to be, well, and, and also writers are conscious of, like, people People think the 
Toronto media is biased. They're actually very conscious of trying to avoid coming across that way. Right. Um, to the point where they won't vote leave. So I think, I think at this rate anyway, a lot of ballots will include McDavid and Matthews, but probably with McDavid first. Yep. Yep. Even, even if we get a 50 goal, 50 game thing, which would be crazy. Ah, man. If he actually does that, he's got to win it. There's I don't, I don't give a shit if McDavid uh, scores, you know, two and a half points a game, 50 and 50 is special. And it hasn't been done for so, so long. If Matthews actually pulls that off, he'll Do you know win. when the last time it was, was it Brett Hall? Or oh God. Of... I'll look it up. Look at it. Yeah. Let's look at that. Cause it's got, has it even happened in our life time? Yes. Yes, it has. It has to have. Cause Brett Hall scored 76 with the blues and Solani had 70, 70 plus with the jets. So, so oh, yeah, uh, the last official 50 and 50 season is Brett Hall, 91, 92. That's what but he did. That's the year Jesse was born. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple <laughs> uh there's a couple unofficial 50 and 50 seasons. Okay. Um so Yari Curry did it in 84-85, but it was the 50th game of the season, but it was 53rd game. So it needs to be the team's 50th game of the season and not your 50th game of the season is what how it's described. So he had missed some games. Oh, so he's games. So, so Cam, he's a goal behind. Cam Neely did it in 44 games played, but his team had already played uh, 66 games, so it doesn't Whoa. count. Holy for the Boston Cam Neely was so good. That's yeah, crazy. man. We oh. were robbed of Cam Neely. We were robbed. Oh. Wow. Brutal. Mm-hmm. That's a, um, there's an all-time underrated player. Him, I think Mike Bossy's another one where you're like, Jesus, look at the goals those guys. Pavel Bure, Peter Another name on the near. On the Malfi, I think. What's that? Do you want another name on the 50 and 50 but doesn't count list? Yes. Alexander McGinley in 92-93 for the Sabres. He did it in 46 games, but it was the team's 53rd game. Why doesn't that count? That's 76 goals in 77 games that year. Why do we do that? McGinley. Why do we make this difficult? Because they make longevity or durability, I should say, part of it. Mm -hmm. That is dumb. Did the player do it in the amount of games or not? No. Here's here's how ridiculous 50 and 50 is in today's NHL. Because I remember, I want to say I was an intern at the fan, so it was like around 2008 or something. Ovechkin had a shot at 50 and 50, and it was a story that was followed for like close to a month. He had a shot at 50 and 50, but it wasn't for that season. It was dating back to the last. Oh. So it was like the last chunk of last season – and going into this one. So he ended hot and started hot. Um, I remember for, that. But for someone to have a realistic shot at it, <laughs> like this season from game one, Andy's missed a game. It's it's wild that we're, we're 19 games into the season. He's got 18 goals. It's not crazy to think. No. Yeah, and it, it puts in perspective how incredible Gretzky did it in 37 games it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, that's stupid. And you can error adjust all you want. That's fucking sick. Like, <laughs> there's just no other way around there's that. There's no error adjusting think. Gretzky's numbers. Like, that that part is ridiculous. He's so far and away ahead of everyone that it's just clearly he's the best. This did is, you hear – sorry, go ahead, Steve. Well, this is one of Jeff Merrick's favorite stats, and this should give you an idea of how head and shoulders – above everybody else Wayne Gretzky was. Who was the second highest scoring NHL player of the 80s? 
Uh, we can sit here all day. You won't get it. Marcel Dion? No. Who is it? Peter oh, Stastny. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Peter St- in Quebec? Yep. Get the fuck out. Wow. The, so we could like, sit here decade? all day. You'd never land on him. Wow. No. That's wild. I yeah. would have picked five or six other guys before you. Be- you wouldn't think about the Nords like at all. No. How many younger people listening to the show are like, who is that? And is that Paul Stastny's dad? Yes. Yes, by the way. <laughs> yes. But- <laughs> and his uncle Jan also played for them. And they had a brother too. Didn't they? That, that uh, another brother? Uh, there were two Jan of the three Stasny? brothers. Def- one, two of the three brothers defected from the uh, from the Soviet Czech Republic, basically, or whatever it was. Um, or was it? Yeah, there's there's, a, there's a Peter. There's a Paul. There's a Jan. There's an Anton. 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 Stasny. Jan was. Jan was. Jan, Jan was played Anton. for like the Blues and Bruins or something when Crosby was drafted. Right. Around Marion then. as yeah. well. And a Marion wow. Stastny. Okay. Heck of a family for, for hockey. They've done well and made a couple bucks. Um, I think I think at the end of the day, you 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 gotta look at I, I feel like the Cam Neely, uh the Cam Neely, the Ari Curry, all that should count. That should count. Uh, it's not about necessary like the, this I this arbitrary idea of durability. Um they scored Cam Neely scored 50 goals in 44 games. But not the, he got injured. The, the fact that he got injured and came back 66. and did it is more impressive. The team played 66. This is so, why do we hate our own fans so much? Why can't we just you ask me? There's people on Twitter on Saturday night going, Adam, why can't you just enjoy this? Why can't this league let me enjoy some shit that's interesting? Why not? Amazing. Why not? Stupid. It's stupid. And by the way, they should have an award, like a trophy for 50 goals in 50 games or less. Mm-hmm. Maybe they it's, it's in the record book, and they, that's it, it how they is. Qualify. But there should be like a thing that you win. Like that's it only comes out once a generation when some yeah. someone pulls it off. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it is something they should consider just because it's so incredibly rare. Like how many how many sixty goal seasons have there been since the year two thousand? I think two. And was it Chichu and? Nope. He Ovi? got he got close. He was fifty six. Ovi has um, one. Ovi has one, and yeah. Stamkos has one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Remember that year he was unstoppable? Oh yeah. He was absolutely ridiculous. That was his uh second year in the league, was it not? Uh that that no, it wasn't his sec he got 40 in his second year, I think. Sorry, what? Oh, okay. Didn't he have that disgusting mullet that he had for a while? Remember how bad his mullet was? You could tell it was on purpose. That was yeah, gross. but like it, he's he just does it because he can. Like, yeah, whatever. Buddy, Steve I, Stamkos. I'm Steven Stamkos. Deal with my hair. It's like Patrick Laine's beard. Like, whatever. I just scored 40 goals. I'll, I'll look as sleep. stupid as I want. Um, yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, with Steve Stamkos and a few other guys where they're so, so injury-prone, and yet they're still so good. Like, imagine Steven Stamkos hadn't snapped his leg. Oh, uh, You know what I mean? Like, well, he and- broke the biggest bone in his body, and he could still <laughs> rip. It's amazing. And here's how here's how ridiculous Connor McDavid is and how seamless mm. his success has been. So Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick were talking about um, Crosby's thousandth uh, game, and because like it's unbelievable. Like I, I remember his rookie year, um, but they were talking about his thousandth game and they were talking about the McDavid Crosby comparisons. And it's not just that they're truly great. It's that they overcame their injuries. Crosby was obviously head and neck. We all remember that. But then when they talked about McDavid, I was like, uh, the collarbone. And I just and I, and I just went, 
oh, wait a sec. No, 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 not the collarbone. He snapped his PCL. Yeah. That and rehabbed it. And rehabbed it. Yep. No Wild. Sick. Yeah. That is, oh, it's, it's a, it's, he was the best player in the league, snapped his PCL, came back without missing a game, and was the best player in the league. Can I read you guys one of the w- biggest travesties as we were talking about in the NHL in the most recent years? Which Let's is, hear it. We're going to go back to the 1718 Hart Trophy voting because oh, it's, it's something to look at. So Taylor Hall won okay. first place votes. He got 72 first place votes. He had three points on the year. Okay. So second place, Nathan McKinnon, uh, 60 first place votes. Third place, Anze Kopitar, 11 first place votes. Fourth place, Claude Giroux, 10 first place votes. Fifth place, Connor McDavid with five first place votes. Even though out of all those guys uh, listed, he led them all in points in less games. Okay. Okay, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I don't know. It's just points, but. Here's my contention, and this is my problem with the MVP award. It's it's most valuable to the team, not most valuable in the league. Best player in the league should be a, a, an award, but the the NHL has to make things dumb and difficult. I will say this: is as long as Connor McDavid is playing, in and if he, and he plays more than sixty games, whether the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs or not, or shoot themselves into the moon, Connor McDavid is always the Hart Trophy winner. Who won the? He's always Ted the best. He's always the most valuable player in his team. It's inarguable. Inarguable. You want which uh, award do you want, Steve? The Ted Lindsay. I want to know who won MVP. Is that the leadership award? No, it's the MVP as voted by the players. Right, Messier was the leadership award. It's it's very common for the Hart Trophy winner to also win the Ted Lindsay, but I have a feeling he won the Ted Lindsay. And how wild for the Ted Lindsay winner to not even be nominated for the Hart. So uh, the Ted Lindsay Award went to Connor McDavid. So yeah. and not, I said less games. He played the he played all eighty two. That wasn't the season he missed some games. Oh, okay. do, we, but, do we have yes. any runners up on the Ted Lindsay? Did they release that? Uh, let me look at the voting. Connor McDavid should have two more trophies than he does. He should have the heart from that year, or at least been a nominee for crying out loud. And the Calder, where he was robbed by twenty four year old or Temi Panarin, which. Uh, is we'll that to. going to be the only time that we bring him up on the show? No, no it is not. No. And what a wild story that is. We'll get to that a little bit later. As I was saying it, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, right. What a, that was just unbelievable. They um, don't have the voting for the Ted Lindsay. Oh. Well, because it's players, right? Yeah. Um, they should have a top three. I have the I have the finalists here. 17, 18, the finalists were Hall, McKinnon, McDavid. Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's about yeah. what it should have been. Yeah, yeah. But the I writers, like the writers screwed up that year for the heart. The writers are unreliable. Five or top three? That's ridiculous. It's yeah, stupid. That's, that's well, and you just make yourself look idiotic in posterity. Like I said, how's that? How's that vote looking these days, guys? I mean, it didn't look good at the time, and everybody was like, "Oh, you're crazy." It didn't. It didn't look good. And and this is the best player. Connor McDavid at his best will be better than Sidney Crosby at his best. You watch. That's a tough one. Yeah, but what do you mean win. it's a tough one? No, because yeah, you're not, Crosby, not to, Crosby are you guys made, kidding? Crosby w- made his team win. 
Like you that's something win. that's so bad, uh, so hard to do in hockey. And Crosby was able to do it. It's I'm unfair. I'm so you got to win. Got to win something. Yeah, I am so upset with both. What has McDavid won, Adam? Nothing, because he's with the shitty Oilers. <laughs> the shitty, win. terribly win. run Oilers. Okay. Yo, the Penguins stunk mm-hmm. when Crosby joined them, and then the next year they were better because Malkin. Yeah, but they had the Lemieux group behind them. Uh, they had Mark Andre Fleury. Edmonds has never had a goalie. Um, they, they had, you know, Malkin came in. So you got Dry Saddle McDavid, Crosby Malkin. They don't have like Clefbaum should be their Latang, but he's out for the entire year. And they have they have been mismanaged from the beginning. The Pittsburgh Penguins management group deserves a lot of credit for surrounding uh, Sidney Crosby with guys like you know he was Mario he was living in Mario Lemieux's basement for the first yep. year and then Mark Recchi joined when they won on the I think it was 2009 uh, yeah. was, they not win with Mark Recchi and and they had big t- Bill yes. Guerin was on that team wasn't Bill he Guerin. Mm-hmm. you know there's there was you know these are guys that have gone on to do some pretty big things in the league and I think other than you know being great players uh, I think Edmonton's done zero of that they they got they drafted McDavid, fired the guy that basically was going to draft him. That's Craig McTavish, which honestly at the time I was like, mm, probably a good move. Um, and then you bring in Peter Shirelli, who uh, was like, I'm going to sign Lucic, and that's it. And then they like they have been stuck in a goaltending quagmire ever since. And yes, they're in the playoff picture right now, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I I find it extremely hard, guys, to blame the Oilers' lack of winning. On Connor McDavid. And That's not say, what we're doing. Well, it takes away, we're comparing from, it Sydney takes away from his legacy. To Connor you're McDavid. Say, you're saying it takes away from his legacy, which I think is, is extremely it's- unfair. Because at that point, that point, you're comparing uh, management groups. Crosby no, was playing, surrounded by some comparing- great players as well. We're he comparing the totality of Sidney Crosby and everything he's done to Connor McDavid's totality of five, six years, and five and, years. And in all the I'm league? saying is when Connor McDavid inevitably ends uh, up with the Toronto Maple Leafs, he will be better than Sidney Crosby. So, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I when, agree when he ends that. up with a good management group, it won't be in Edmonton. I don't think it's going to be in Edmonton. Okay. I don't think he's going to win in Edmonton. I don't. I've said that from the beginning. The Oilers are what they are. They're a mediocre it's, team. I think you're confusing legacy and respect, right? So, but what I was saying is Connor McDavid skill wise will be better than Sidney Crosby skill wise at both of their peaks. Skill wise, you're probably right, but that's it's not how it works. I mean, skill wise, Alex Kovalev beats the both of them, maybe you know, but you know, it's and he did win with the Rangers. And the oh my god, that was such a stupid play. (laughs) Terrible. If like. Here's here's the respect versus legacy conversation. Allen Iverson. Everyone oh. in NBA circles respects Allen Iverson and what he mm-hmm. did. But if we're talking legacy, we have to compare his to others. He didn't win. Came close. No, he didn't. didn't win. It's yep. it's and it matters. It does and matter. Part of that Allen Iverson's story is a bit different though because he was a bit of a bad boy and part of that some people have said is on him. Didn't he have the winning did- thing? Yeah, well, they, I think that I mean you could you could take Allen Iverson's story. I mean, he had the issues with the coach and not showing up for practice or whatever. But beyond that, like, who was supposed to? Who was he playing with? I mean, he had some good players. No, but Alan, he didn't have did a Pippen level player. Allen Iverson didn't win because in basketball, the only time Isaiah Thomas is the only example in the last hundred years of basketball of a championship team being based around a point guard. 
Like it's not, it's not a winnable strategy in basketball. And there was never enough pieces with AI to win a championship. Like they made it to the finals and they got pummeled, but like, it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't a strategy that was going to win long-term and he needed more pieces than just it was, it was just him and Dikembe. And then that was it, yeah. right? Like there wasn't, and that's the thing. What I feel like with McDavid is that when we talk about, I can understand what you guys are saying with respect. He does have to win legacy purposes, 100%. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it, it's a little unfair to McDavid just because, as we can all admit, the Edmonton leadership group has been questionable, even under Ken Holland. It's gotten better. But this is still the same general manager who flipped two second rounders to the Oilers last year and then didn't re-sign the guy. No, but we all we all know that the real Hall of Fame is on top of your neck. Like it's the there's the physical building, mm-hmm. but then it's it's up here, right? Okay. Like he, he'll he's gonna get into that building. No, no matter what. Yeah. If he retired today, he would. Up here? Like, people talk about how the Hall of Fame is too easy to get in. You might be right. This one's harder. Up here. It's it's way harder to get in. And you got to win. You got You know there are – Kyle Lowry was probably not going to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame without that championship. Because there were going to be people humming and hawing, and they never won. And he played in Canada, and I don't freaking like the Raptors or even talking about them. Now he's got a championship. Mm-hmm. And he's still going. The championship matters. It matters. Okay. Now, here we are. We went, we were wrong about Connor McDavid, and we went right back to being unfair to him about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody hates Connor. The greatest <laughs> players in the NHL always find a way to win. I think one day in McDavid's career, if it's a couple of years from now or whenever, I think he's going to find a way to make it to the Stanley Cup yeah. finals. He, he, once I'm his hopeful. contract expires, he's going to accept less money, come to Toronto, play with Matthews and Marner and win. That'd be great. And uh, that, that'll be the year that uh, everybody says Matthews is leaving for Arizona, which we all know is clearly going to happen now. Look at how well run they are. Uh, the, now, the, and what, here, one last thing. The, the, the best player to never win the cup. It's a conversation based around like two guys, Marcel Mar- Dion, Marcel Dion. and uh, Dino Cicerelli. I've heard a lot of people say who's also Dino in the Cicerelli. hall of fame. I mean, he's great, but Dino Cicerelli was not, I mean, he was, he was great. But this is on. the thing, Adam, like Dino, like Marcel Dion's up there, but we had to go pretty far down the list of all time greats to get to Dino Cicerelli. Could I make the argument that Matt Sundin is better than Dino Cicerelli? Probably. You could make that argument. Yeah. And he never won. You can make that like how many times was Dino Cicerelli the best player on the team that he played for? Maybe with that, the North Stars, maybe. Wow. You know what I mean? Like it, it matters. It matters. It does matter. Yeah. It does. And it matters. Only was that player up until 2018? There's right. That's true. That's one, one of my favorite examples is Ron Francis, who's I think fifth in all-time NHL scoring. And there were a lot of years where he was probably the third best Penguin. Yes. <laughs> like, well, it's because Yager and Lemieux were on the team. Ex- yeah. Yeah. It it's amazing. When you think about how, how much success Pittsburgh has seen in, in all major sports, excluding the Pirates in the last half half uh, century, um, you know, it, being a relatively small market, and in hockey terms, they're a small market. In football terms, they're a small market with an enormous fan base. The fact that they've won any championships at all is crazy. And the fact that in the early 90s when, you know, Gretzky was making eight or $9 million a year to play for the Kings, that they were able to hang on to Yager, Lemieux, Francis, all those guys, um, and, and who were not small salaries even based on the time, it's pretty incredible. It's amazing. Here's, they lost money hand over fist, but they sure won a lot of games. Here's how good Gretzky was. Mark Messier has a trophy named after him because of the two cups he won without Gretzky. <laughs> 
It's true. Messier has six cups and he has that trophy because of two of them. The one in Edmonton, he won without him and the one with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. We all know the it's one, true. The one that yeah. Kiprios dragged him to. Yeah. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. And know? that guy brought that sign just to show to Kiprios. Now I can die in peace. <laughs> Con Smythe winner, Nick Kiprios. <laughs> How many points did he have in that playoff run? Also, I want to know now. Hey, when hey, I doesn't hear, matter. One. When I hear Yager and Francis and Lemieux, all I think about is Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. Like, are we being 100%. Honest here, you know? It's no. Two peas in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to look up Kiprios. So I'm, I'm dying. I'm fixating on it. I, I need to know. I have to know. Uh, he played three games that playoff run, and he had two penalty minutes. But he was on the ice and won. He was on the ice when they won. Exactly. Good for it doesn't him. Doesn't matter. Has a chip. Holy shit! One hundred and two penalty minutes in forty six games. Hard knocks. The nineties. Anyway. Okay. Guys, Adam, I have to admit something. Admit it. I was wrong. I know about what. Guys, I was wrong about the Toronto Maple Leafs wrapping up the division and missing that opportunity last Saturday, like two Saturdays ago now. Okay. Because I did not count on the Montreal Canadiens throwing their chance at winning the division. Wow, it happened. Yeah, I know. So here's the thing. I thought Toronto needed to win that game to really sort of wrap things up and clean it up. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't count on the Habs winning two games in seven. When are we going to talk about the thing that nobody really wants to talk about? Was that? Is it the fact? Well, first of all, let me just throw this out there. The Leafs have a, at least, according to Dom Lucision, a 75% chance right now. Things continue the way they are to win the division. They're running away with it. I saw his model. Doesn't it have the Leafs with an 8% chance to win the cup, which is wildly high? Yeah, I think it's a little yeah. high. That's and high for, that's as I high as give, I've seen anyone. I can't give the Leafs anything that high. <laughs> like, come 8% on. 8% like, high. Too, too much PTSD as a fan for that. Mm-hmm. But, We're, Jesse. In a league where 31 teams are still in it, that's very high. <laughs> Jesse, what do you want to ask? See, the thing about the percentage of them winning the cup and them winning the division. Oh, here we go. <sighs> one, the North division isn't very good. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Is the Jesse, narrative all of Twitter. Is the narrative American that, hockey Twitter right here. Is the narrative that Twitter keeps uh, hammering away at over the weekend. And when you're a hockey team and you only have to play six other teams for an entire season, and then the first two rounds of the playoffs are also versus these six teams, and like maybe three quarters of them aren't playoff teams if they're playing the rest of the league. Do we have to start to look at this a little differently? I don't think so. No. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you why. Because there are other bad teams in other bad divisions. I mean, you got to look at it like this. Like, look at the, like, I'll give you this. The, the East division is pretty tough. Boston, Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, Islanders. That's, that's a dead heat. And then the Rangers have had a disaster season. New Jersey sucks. So does Buffalo. But then you look at, like, the Central Division, where somehow the Lightning will have played the least amount of games. Everything is possible there. Dallas has only played 12 games, so they're a little bit behind. Tampa is in fourth place just in the playoffs. you got Chicago and Florida in playoff position. Kevin Lankinen, like, one of the more underrated stories of the season. I thought Chicago was honestly going to finish last place with uh, a, a Colin D'Elia-Malcolm Subban tandem. 
and this dude who I've never heard of comes out of nowhere and in a league where save percentage is dropping like plummeting this dude's got a 925 so far that's that's crazy stupid you will get in the playoffs if you have a starter like that you will absolutely and and so you look at that but you look at that division guys I mean really what should have happened it should be Carolina Tampa Columbus Dallas and they all should be beating up on Nashville Detroit Chicago and Florida that is a, from a last year's perspective, a very, it's like a have and have not division. And then obviously you've got the West division, St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado, pretty, pretty amazing. And then the rest of those teams, Los Angeles, Arizona, Minnesota, San Jose, and Anaheim. I think it's fair to say that there is at least one great team in each division. I would say Toronto, Boston. Uh, I think Carolina has been a great team for a long time, and we just haven't fully, fully seen that yet. St. Louis won a cup. Vegas has been to 8 million cups. Colorado's been, like, other than those three teams in the Honda West, those aren't, there aren't really any good teams there. And they're beating up on, you got to think about this, St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado get to beat up on five terrible teams. It's, no, but it's, uh, St. Louis doesn't play Anaheim eight times. St. Louis has to play Carolina and they have to play Pittsburgh and they got to play Boston. They got to play all the other teams. They've already played Arizona seven. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the schedule is balanced for the other teams. And when you're in the North division, you get to play Ottawa a whole bunch and you get to play Montreal and you get to play (laughs) terrible Vancouver. And it's, as I see, I see the other side, I see the other side that are saying, Hey, it's a little wonky here that, the North Division is so bad. Who's the sure second that- best team in Canada? Like, forget the standings. Who's awesome. the second best team in Canada? When are they playing to their highest potential? Who is the second best team in Canada? It depends. Winnipeg. Playoffs Winnipeg. start today. Winnipeg. You- I think it's Winnipeg. Hmm. I, I've been on that Winnipeg thing for my, my the whole season. Since but- before. It's impossible that six out of seven teams in this division suck against each other. You know what I mean? Like, what, Calgary's in a slump right now. They're losing to teams in this division, though. Montreal's in a slump right now. They're losing to teams in this division. To me, it's impossible that this many teams in this division suck. Also, I got to throw something out there. Jesse, I'm not totally sure that you're correct. Uh, the American teams are staying within their division. I'm having a look at Chicago's schedule right now, and they don't play a single team outside of their division. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. Did is yeah. that what Jesse said? Everybody, yeah, everybody's playing within their own division. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yes, but the uh, North Division is the terrible list of it. <laughs> but that was your main argument. No, but when, <laughs> once you, once you reach the first the first two rounds of the playoffs, are they breaking off? Or are they staying uh, within the division too? You stay within the division until the conference finals, I believe. Yeah. In each, in each of the divisions. Okay, that's, that's a little I, different then. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. different then. Yeah, that's a little more even. Totally. But like, it's just still, I, I, I don't know. It's impossible that they all stink, except for what the Jets and Leafs. That's impossible. That's impossible. But but but, <laughs> as a Leafs fan, mm-hmm. in terms of teams you don't want to play in a playoff series right now, is okay. Oh, who's who's highest? Who don't you want to play? Because they're hard. hard. You don't, you don't want to play the Jets? No. Nope. Who's, who's after them? Probably don't want to play the Canadians. Carey Price gets hot. You're fucked. I mean, let's be honest. Edmonton's played the Leafs pretty well. Mm-hmm. Ottawa's played the Leafs pretty yeah, well. Yeah, you probably don't want to play Ottawa, but you don't have to. Okay, so now we're getting into a pretty interesting conversation, 
right? Because we're talking about, well, Edmonton's played the Leafs really well. And Ottawa's played the Leafs really well. And the Habs have actually managed to keep it close. They've played the Leafs pretty decently. So, like, what if the Leafs are just good? Like, what if the teams in this division don't stink? And the Leafs have just, they were already a good team. And they've improved and they've found ways to win. It's not like they're getting out of this world goaltending. They're not. They're getting they're not right goaltending. It's okay. Like they're they're just winning games because they're better. And one of the things that they've been doing, Steve, on top of that, is they've been pushing shots to the outside. I think I brought up a, an article with uh, I think it was the Athletic where Tampa committed to pushing shots to the outside, and it finally got them the cup that they wanted to get. And you're seeing that with the Leafs. Now, I'm not saying they're on Tampa's level in terms of being able to do that, uh, but it's happening. You're seeing these low risk, low danger shots happen. And you, you can look at this, the, the score sheet and, and, you know, Ottawa's outshot them or whatever's outshot them, but these are not high definition scoring chances. These are lower, lower. And, and the, the, um, you know, remember last year where you saw like two, three, four rebounds before they were able to get a handle on things. If they were able to get a handle on them at all, you're seeing less and less of that. I think this is a, this is a Leafs team that's been through it and, seems like they're developing into the team that we expected them to be probably two years ago. Um, And that's why brings me to my second point, which I might've been wrong about the Leafs wrapping up the division uh, or having the chance to wrap up the division Montreal through it. Montreal, as I said to you from the beginning of this season, you cannot crown a team yet that hasn't proven anything. Now I'm not saying they won't get there, but they like, this is a team apparently Philip Deneau is on the trading block, which is crazy to me. Uh, I keep hearing there's yeah. rumors about that, which I might and just be, Suzuki's that might just be Montreal. What's that? Was, and Suzuki's being scratched and stuff. I don't know what's happening. Well, is well, it, do you know, I think is they can't, uh, they're having difficulty extending them. So they're trying to get value. Right. This is the time. No, this I don't get the it. time. That's You're one of my favorite trade looks- trees, by the way. Um, the Habs traded, I think it was Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss to the Chicago Blackhawks for uh, a late first round pick who was Philip Deneau, who wasn't working out in Chicago and uh-huh. a second rounder who years later went on to become Alexander Romanov. Wow. That's a, a good trade. It's Did a Chicago, Chicago win the cup that year? No, that was the 2015. Uh-huh. Uh, no, that was the year after they won in 2015. That was 2016. Okay. That's when they got destroyed by Nashville, right? Uh, yeah, I, think so yeah in the first round as well they scored three goals in four games that something like that yeah um what i'm saying here guys is that is the montreal canadians you know i understand the excitement around them and that sort of thing but as i said to you before the season started it's a it's an issue of a team that hasn't fully developed yet you got a lot of new parts here josh anderson looks great but you're gonna have up and down moments from uh Kakenyemi, suzuki um, there's a lot of people complaining about Claude Julien's systems. And I don't know how much of this you can blame on him, but it's uh, there seems to be this, this thing where they're, they're looking a little discombobulated and you can't really point out what it is. There's, well, there's also the value of magic. And it's hard to deny, especially when they were playing the Canucks, um, the Habs were really feeling themselves. Mm-hmm. Did, have you seen, did you see the overtime winner Ottawa scored against them last night? Yes, I did. There, there's three Habs standing still. And they don't look magical. <laughs> they don't, <laughs> they do not look like a magical team uh, anymore. And that's a tough thing because when they're riding that magic, people call them a juggernaut. 
And I look at the things they're doing. I look at the highlights every morning and I go, absolutely. They're a juggernaut. Look at them. Look at them. They're unstoppable. Then when they go on a little streak like this or a little slump like this, I start to look at the team on paper and I'm like, Oh, they're not special at all. They're, they're fine. They're fine. I don't know about special, you know, and, and I look at how they're struggling to score. And Eric Engels had a stat. I think it's only once out of the last seven games, they've scored three goals. Uh, and Ooh. correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the last game against the Leafs. And the only reason they got the third one is with about 90 seconds left, Tyler Toffoli accidentally literally broke Jake Muzzin's face. Yeah. Muzzin's um, out, by the way. Um, but Muzzin uh, is out. It's not but I want I want to throw this at you too. I said I tweeted this at the beginning uh, or a few weeks ago, and I got in a bunch of shit from Montreal fans. They were so mad talking about how much crow I was going to eat, blah, 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 blah. And I said, listen, Montreal beat up on a bunch of weak teams to start the season. The, the Habs are, do you want to know what the Habs are versus non-Vancouver teams? <laughs> Literally one team you're taking out of the equation. Yeah. Take Vancouver <laughs> out of the equation. Do you want to know what the Habs are? I want to hear. Five, five, and three. Oh, you know what's funny is if you did that for like Ottawa, I think the Leafs would get better. Yeah, <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> yeah that's true. But think about this. Five, five, and three. They are five and eight, essentially, with three points added. Ooh. Versus teams that aren't the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, they've won five games versus the Canucks. Or four. They're four, oh, and one. They have one shootout loss in there. So is it a weak division or is it a, a division with the Canucks? And Ottawa. Who are, who are extra bad. Like, you know, it's shockingly bad. Ottawa plays hard, too, though. So. They do. You yeah. know what you got to be careful of, though? Everyone takes a turn. Mm-hmm. Everyone well, takes and, a and turn being ass. And the and Leafs haven't just, taken a turn yet. Let me throw this at you. Montreal and the Leafs are up there with PDO, both of them. Montreal's PDO basically disappeared. Uh, the Leafs are, have, been, have been riding a bit of a PDO streak as well. So it is going to come eventually. But at the same time, my point in saying that the Leafs had a chance to, to wrap up the division was if you get far enough ahead, it's almost impossible to catch because of the loser point. Because if you lose, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. Now, the Habs have played two less games. I know it's possible, but I'm asking, I'm starting to ask the question is it probable? You can get passed by a team, maybe two. You're not going to get passed by four. They're making the playoffs. They're well, they got to yeah. keep going. The Leafs, yeah, like, at, and they should. At some point, like in in like two weeks, the Leafs have pretty much locked up a playoff spot because the season ends what first week of May. Well, yeah. that'd be pretty terrible. Jesse, they <laughs> broke Jake Muzzin's face. They did. That's that's, true. They do have like eighteen guys on IR today. So the like, weird this, thing about this is the problem. The weird thing about being faces faces being broken is it's like a week, and then they're like, "Well, just put a shield on. You're good." Well, that's what happened with Kerfoot. Um, it, I guess it depends on the break. I was thinking about it today. Morgan Riley goes down. TJ Brody goes down. Travis Dermott goes down. Justin. Uh, mm. The thing about that pairing with Muzzin and Hall is yeah. they're the two hardest guys to replace, I think. They are. And that's yeah. not a knock on Brody and Riley. They have guys who can play like them. Mm-hmm. They don't have a guy who can play like Muzzin. No. I... <laughs> I'm I'm ashamed to admit this. So Rasmus Sandin is out. I think he has a broken foot. Um, he, he in his first game with the Marlies, like get out of here. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, if things go sideways and they need a penalty killer, 
do we find out do we go to the buoy what's that <laughs> martin marengen no stop it what are you gonna make me he's not even good on the penalty kill stop it with this nonsense he's not good well this he's is not, the he's up he's guy he's a guy that put on a jersey i think okay. callie rosen can kill them like, okay, oh, God, I'd so much rather have him. Like, just try him for God's sake. Try uh, him. Sign literally one of the, your guys on an AHL well, deal. This is the most <laughs> like, I'm so conversation I've ever had in my life. They're number one in the NHL, and we're talking about whether Martin Marinch is going to have to draw in to, to do better. Wait, could we not enjoy this? They're, a little no, bit? They're, they're like, no, no, no. But here's, they're two injuries away from Martin Marinch. Oh, God, oh, we, he never goes Adam, away. They are. Yeah. They are. God. Like this is the. Ooh. So this is the biggest game of the season. For mm-hmm. Travis Dermott. This is the biggest game of his career. This is wow. ironically the situation he was left in at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh when when they canceled the season. Dubis literally uploaded like an inspirational video the, the night after or the morning after Jake Muzzin got hurt. The 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 I believe it's the Chinese uh farmer parable. That's right. Where you know talked about maybe and whatever, because that the night Muzzin got hurt against Tampa on the road, Dermot played. It was something like half of the third period. It was wild. Dermot can play power play. He's probably not going to have to. He can penalty kill as well though. Muzzin's probably got like thirty pounds on that guy. <laughs> it's it's going to be a very big test for Travis Dermot, and it's super unfortunate for the Leafs that their first game without Muzzin is against Calgary tonight because uh, as Elliot Friedman mentioned on the 31 thoughts podcast, the, f- the flames downward spiral began with the Muzzin puck flip. And we talked about Matthew Chuck talking to his team after the game. Like he was pissed that no one came to his defense and it sounds like the friction in the room has not dissipated. So they were probably chomping at the bit to take a big old chunk out of Jake Muzzin tonight. And now they're not going to have that opportunity. So are they going to just wilt and have a regular Monday night, regular season game, or are they going to take advantage of a Leafs team that does not have Jake Muzzin in the lineup, does not have Wayne Simmons in the lineup, and he did extremely well in Alberta, does not have Zach Hyman in the lineup, Mm -hmm. and Joe Thornton, who's not going to take any shit. This is a vulnerable lineup against a pissed-off team. It could go real bad. Are they pissed off or are they apathetic? That's what we're going to find out tonight. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, Elliot Friedman did mention in that 31 Thoughts piece that he said this is th- like at, at this point, they're, they're starting to look in Calgary at aggressive traits. And Sam Bennett's not going to start any fights tonight. He might be uh, teammates with these guys in a week. Am I right? High five. High five. <laughs> Am I right, Adam? Well, I mean, we're seeing. Let's go. No. <laughs> unless, go. He's on a, unless he's a waivers pickup. And even then, I don't see how it happens. Um, everyone's on damn waivers. Jeez. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the, I I think with the flames, you know, um, they've been talking about, you know, you've heard Gaudreau and Monaghan's names pointed out there for years. At what point are we going to find out what the Calgary flames are? We know what they're supposed to be. And they finally got the goalie that they needed. And And Mark Giordano is their backup. That's not bad. Right. But Mark Giordano is like Ron Hainsey's age when he joined the Leafs. And that's your like Norris winning guy. Like they got it's a bit. They the the good thing about the Flames is they have great. They they have value. They have good players. That's a start. Mm-hmm. But the 
I, I've said this for a few years. I don't believe in that team, like as a go all the way team. I think they're really good. Um, I think they can play, you know, they can maybe even get the second, third round, give teams trouble. I just, they remind me a lot of, and maybe we'll get here. They remind me a lot of the 2017 Nashville Predators. Interesting. Why do they, I'm surprised they remind you of that. Why? I just feel like the 2017 Predators were never going to win. Really? Yeah. In retrospect, in retrospect, looking back at the and you, you know, oh, Ryan Johansson. And you know what? Maybe that's um, maybe that's revisionist. Um, but they were they were this team that really had some pieces and really got some goaltending, but there was something about the way they were built up front where I was like, I don't believe you. Well, they didn't have a center. Do you know who led that center. team in scoring? Cool. The 2017 Preds? Yeah. In the playoffs? 16-17, you're talking? Yes. Yeah, 16-17 in the regular season. Oh. Who led the team in scoring and how many points? Yossi. I'm going to say Roman Yossi as well, and I'm going to say by 12 points. It was Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> okay. How many points do you think he had? 65. Was that the year he had 33 goals? It was... He had 31 goals. Ah! Oh, um, close. Well done, Steve. Yeah. Uh, he led by... Wait, sorry. Did you say? Yeah. Victor Arvidsson. Yes. How many points? 61. <laughs> 61. Whoa! <laughs> there you go. He was actually tied with Ryan Johansson with also 61, but Ryan Johansson only had 14 goals, so a lot of assists. Anyways, that's how inept their their offense was. It was pretty bad. You know? yeah. James uh, Neal at least how balanced. James Neal had a good year, though. That was a good year yeah. for James Neal. They had a memorable playoff goal scored by Pontus Haberg. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were digging yeah. deep that now, you know, peak pre back injury, PK Subban and oh. Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi and Matias Ekholm. That's what made them special. They were, they were a hard team to score on. They were a hard team to beat. And they got a yeah. lot of offense from the back end as well. Um, but just, and that's, that's kind of Calgary, isn't it? But not even really that much anymore. Like they replaced TJ Brody with, Chris Tanev and I don't know. I don't know. They're fine. They're still fine, but they should be in the playoffs though. They should be in the playoff picture the whole year. They absolutely should be. Um, and maybe any moves right now would be panic. They do strike me as the team that's just been together too long. You know what I mean? Maybe it's, maybe it's beyond panic. Like maybe this is, and you know what, even if they beat the Leafs tonight, I'll still feel this way. Like how many years in a row are we going to have to say this about the Calgary Flames? Well, and then the the big thing to me is the Matthew Kachuk. There's potentially friction in the locker room. In a lot of other situations, you can wait out the season and just mm-hmm. see how it goes. Don't make any stupid moves. You know, make some moves in the off season. But if there's a rot going on in your team, ah, uh, that's tough. You might want to so, nip that in the bud. So GM Jesse and GM Steve, you got the opportunity to build your next generation of the Calgary Flames around a specific group of players. Mm-hmm. Are you building it around Kachuk or are you building it around Monaghan and Gaudreau? Is, it, is that what the options are? Yes, it- because here's the thing. It's, it's who are you keeping? Hmm. 
if I'm if I'm Calgary, I go. You move Kachuk for pieces that help you win now. You move Kachuk wow. to get pieces around Monahan and Goudreau and Backlund and the guys you have now to try and win. Because I, it's been it's been too uh, long that they had. These, you've committed to this this group with Markstrom and Tanner. There's no right? rebuild here. Like no, we're not giving you four years. So you move the younger guys to get guys to win now. No, Ooh. not him. Not the the problem I have with Calgary. You get, is, those are the two options. What do you mean? Are, yeah. <laughs> so Steve, what's so clearly Steve's on the other side of that. Uh, yeah. So Steve, what do you do? What's your what's your rebuttal, Steve? I the problem I have had with Calgary is their lack of identity. I know exactly who Matthew Kachuk is, and you build around that. So, um, and I'm not saying he has to be the best player on the team moving forward. But what I'm yeah. saying is, there's going to be two. Here are the two forwards or three forwards that have huge value on the open market. Monahan Goudreau, who we've seen, we know what they are. Monahan and Goudreau are who we thought they were. And they especially are who they thought, who we thought they are in the playoffs where they stink. I think Goudreau is scoring at a 0.5 points per game. He was good last playoffs, but uh, he's the guy I move. I think. Well, yeah. He's the guy. Anyway. Move. Uh, your your number one center is Sean Monahan. Um, those don't grow on trees. Uh, you're not going to be able to replace him. So let me ask you this. So Steve, let me ask you this: Is Sean Monahan a guy who you win the Stanley Cup with if he's your first line center? Probably not, but that's an off season thing. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, I mean, just wanted to see. Just wanted to see. Uh, very interesting viewpoints, and I I actually because I would I would say Kachuk too, but that's full rebuild. But you're absolutely right, Jesse. When you say Tanev and Markstrom are there for a long, long time. So what are you going to do? It's, is it a retool? And if it is a retool, what are you going to get for Gaudreau and Monaghan with big money contracts who, honestly, the league is out of money. Look at Adam Henrique on, on waivers, who had a pretty good year, and they signed a contract extension that was Bob Murray's nuts. But, but I mean, he wasn't like he was like outrageous price for Adam, Adam Henrique. It was maybe a million dollars more than it should have been. But now he's on waivers because people can't afford this anymore. He he was perfectly fine last year. Perfectly he's fine. A, he's had a rough start to this year, but he was perfectly fine. He had 26 goals. Um, I think he missed some games, so he scored at like a 30-goal pace. Perfectly fine. That's a good player. It's just no one can afford it. Um, on Kachuk, part of the reason Brad Marchand has had so much success in this league is he was a rat bastard. And then people tried to tell him not to be a rat bastard. Interesting. And then four Boston Bruins would maul that person. And that happened his whole career. Who's doing the mauling for Kachuk? He bothered Cassian. Cassian bothered him right back. And then and then uh, the next game, the Battle of Alberta that we all watched, it had to be Kachuk versus Cassian. What? No. No, God bless Zach Cassian. That's a 30 point player for the most part, unless he's with McDavid. You know what I mean? Hey, I want a piece of Kachuk. Where's the flame hopping over the boards going? Uh, no, that's my dance. Actually, Luchich? that's my dance. Lucic? Since when? Well, yeah. I mean, is that's that was his, he was part of the mob in Boston for a while. With him and Zidano and like, you know, it was... That's true. Right? Yeah, but 
that was a very long time ago. I mean, but that's uh, what you'd have them there for. Like, that'd be the conversation I'd be having. When, you know? when you bring up Lucic, it's funny because the first thing I think of is failure in Edmonton. <laughs> that's, 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 that's my that's, that's my biggest dark. memory about Lucci. He used to be an animal. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I remember he that was too. An animal. But the first thing I think of is Edmonton. Well, it's like it's like uh, you know an action star from like like think of the early Steven Seagal movies. That guy was a, yeah, I believe it. And then he, you know, I, one day he released a movie, and you're like, uh oh. You ought not do that anymore, Steven, and now it's a joke? Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, or like Eddie Murphy. Do you think of Raw, his stand-up special, or do you think of him as a donkey in Shrek? You know? <laughs> I like him as donkey. If you brought up Dr. Doolittle, I've been like, you have a point. Yeah. <laughs> Donkey's all right. Donkey Doolittle. too. Um, I, I like the Nutty Professor, personally. But... I think the Nutty Professor was funny, man. I, that was a good movie. And that's, a, that's a, yo, when they're sitting around that dinner table and Eddie Murphy's playing all of those characters and that scene fits together that seamlessly that's pretty impressive i don't care what anyone says that's so is right. that the nutty professor impressive so is that his time lucic's time in calgary is the nutty professor uh his stand-up specials are his time in boston and edmonton is what about his time uh, no that's uh, pluto pluto nash, pluto nash. <laughs> that, that, the, the box office uh that bust they had wasn't it the biggest bust in box office history for a, a time among yeah, for a long time, for a long, long time, because they <laughs> paid him a fortune for that. Um, okay, so so they had Eddie yeah. Murphy. We're gonna see what kind of Calgary uh, we'll see tonight. Obviously, uh, Nick Batan is in. Uh, who else is back? Karabanov. Karabanov is in, and then there's someone on defense too. I don't know. Uh, Miko Letnin is in for. Okay, watch. Uh, an injured Jake Muzzin. Is, is I have no idea what the lines are. Okay, all right. Well, I would uh, put Dermot with Hall. And one thing I with Bogosian. One thing I have liked is uh, Alexander Kerfoot with Tavares and Marner. Yeah, how about that? Seven points in his last seven games. Don't mind that. Kerfoot's and been real good. At If he's scoring at that clip, even if he is a winger who can play center when needed, mm-hmm. seven points in seven games, if he's a guy that gets you 40 or 50 points and he plays most of the time on the wing but can do special, special team center, Alexander Kerfoot is a useful piece for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What is abundantly clear is that the third-line center is not really an option for him. I don't think he's been the best. Now, that's what brings me to a potential trade deadline acquisition that I think the Leafs should consider. Mm. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. And Brian Burke harped, made fun of almost uh, Kyle Dubas for doing this. But we talk about some old, grizzled, leathery vets Mm. that the Leafs have brought in. Joe Thornton, I would say, chief among them, right? We like that. Patrick Marlowe was going to kind of be that guy, but he's more of a finesse guy. Still playing in the league, though. Uh, a little overpaid, but great great effect on the team. He's good in the play. Um, uh, Wayne Simmons, less old than, Wayne, than uh, Joe Thornton, but enjoyed an incredible resurgence here and has that attitude that the Leafs were lacking, right? Uh-huh. We agree with that? Okay. Yep. yep. How do you feel about hard miles, but still somewhat producing Eric Stahl? Ooh. I don't hate it. On I really like that idea, Adam. I mean, I he's really like that one year deal, right? And yeah. and uh, so he expires at the end of the year, and he's a you know you don't need to rely too much on him at third line center, but he's a guy that can step in on the power play, could step up if one of the two major centers go down because he's been there before. You're not you're hoping that he doesn't have to do it for more than three games, but it is what it is. There's a guy that's been there, won a cup. 
and gives you a little bit more of that uh, sinewy thing. You know what I mean? What, what does he give you, Adam? Sinewy. What do they call that? That that like where it's like that really hard tendon stuff. Like it's like that. Oh, it's sinew, and I feel sinew. that's what is it? I can't. That's what it is. Sinew. I can't. I can't speak. Um, sinew. What do you have to give up? What do you have to give Buffalo to get Eric Stahl? I can't imagine it's it's much. I mean, like what I would say to Buffalo is, do you want to hang on to him? Right. Like if uh, it, it's really because. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. Well, how Eric's. wrong were we about him? Oh, you watch. Eric Stahl is going to put Jeff Skinner in his happy place, and he's going to have a resurgent season. And, uh, like, uh, Ralph Kruger has locked Jeff Skinner in the garage. Like, that, <laughs> that dude has played 14 games, has no goals, one assist, and makes $9 million. Here's the thing. Eric's, or, uh, uh, he's going to outlast Ralph Kruger in Buffalo if Ralph Kruger keeps doing that. Like the he, players can love Ralph Kruger all they want. They don't produce. And this guy's making $9 million and he's not playing every night. Ralph Kruger will be fired over this. If you're, if you're ownership and you know your team sucks you and you get to make the calls because you're ownership, I, I generally advise against this uh, ownership getting involved. But you got to be like, okay, your number one mission is no longer winning. It is getting Jeff Skinner to score. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. This is $9 million. Yeah. That's not, sorry. Figure it out. Separate conversation. But uh, no, Stahl hasn't been bad. Six points in 14 games. But last year, 47 and 66. The year before, 52 and 81. If you're getting 40 points from Eric Stahl over the course of an 82-game season, at this point, you're happy. And and, And that from a third line player? Come on. That's not bad. That's what we wanted from Kerfoot. The Leafs have their own so the Leafs only have five picks in this upcoming draft Mm -hmm. Um, they have their own first their own second they don't have a third they have their own fourth their own fifth their sixth is conditional and they don't have a seventh Um, the second might I don't know that might be an overpayment but it that should get the deal done for crying out loud Unless Stahl goes on some sort of unbelievable heater. You wait till the absolute last minute to make this deal, by the way. You don't make this deal early. You, you, I, who cares about the 14-day quarantine? Doesn't matter. It's not like the Leafs' position in the division is going to be that threatened if things go the way they go, right? You don't care. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, the Leafs will have to make the deals early because uh, the 14-day quarantine, Leafs don't care. They do not care. They've got, to, they've got the guys to plug the gaps until Eric Stahl arrives. You want to give him some time to gel with the players. I get that. But to be honest with you, I don't want to commit to Eric Stahl until I've seen more Eric Stahl. But I think he should be a high value target as a centerman, proven guy here for 20 games and the playoff run as far as it goes. And I don't think a second rounder is what you should give up for him. I think it should be less than that. Buffalo sucks. Nobody has any money. The trade deadline is going to be, honestly, nobody has any money, guys. These owners are losing money hand over fist. It's a really, really, really tough sell for any NHL owner at this point, with the exception of maybe the top five teams in in earnings, to bring on any contract. It's a tough sell. I don't think we'll ever know how bad it is, but I can tell you it's bad. If they're saying we would have lost less money for sitting and not playing at all, then that tells you something. And so I think when you're talking about trade deadline deals, when a team like the Sabres has the chance to save any dollars, they'll take it. 
And I don't think the market for guys like Eric Stahl are going to be that huge. I get that he's a center. I get that, that he's still producing well. And again, you got to remember, he's got four, six points in 14 games on the shitty Sabres. Look at how bad Wayne Simmons was for the Sabres last year. Look at how bad everyone was for the Sabres last year. The Sabres are bad. They turn good players into bad players. Look at what happened to Ryan O'Reilly with the Sabres. That's crazy. He's now the captain of the St. Louis Blues. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do there in, in terms of making them better, but that's not the task at hand. Who cares? cares. Um, Eric Stahl is a very interesting choice, Adam. That's my, uh, that's my... I have a question to also solve your problem internally this uh-huh. time, Adam. You know, corporations, like the, they'll be like, oh, we'll solve this internally. Instead. We're going to post it internally for two weeks, and then we'll uh, yeah. put it out in the public. Instead yeah. of uh, bringing someone from the outside in, mm-hmm. what about your top six forwards look like this? Uh, Hyman, Matthews, Marner. This is when everyone's healthy, obviously. So um, not even Hyman, Thornton, even. Thornton, right. Matthews, Marner. Mm-hmm. And then some combination of Tavares, Hyman, or Simmons. And then Willie becomes your third line center Ooh. that ship sailed has is it gone you yeah think so? i think uh well okay remember i said game five against columbus mm-hmm. we were like what is the what are these asinine choices that the leafs are making you're you're gonna give andreas Janssen his first game and god knows how long well that's because they were giving him his last uh, his chance to play his last game as a leaf and i think mm-hmm. when they started willie at second line center they were giving him a chance. Uh, they were basically finding out once and for all if that's going to be a thing. Show us. Show us. It's not. It's not. It's. I think it's like Kerfoot. It's like Kerfoot in that he can do it, but I don't think it's the best way to use him. But with Willie, because of the $7 bucks and because of his skill on the wing, the stakes are just higher. They're higher. The Kerfoot Tavares Willie line, if you really want to look at it, is three centers, which that's how most good Olympic teams are made. <laughs> um, but it's but Nylander and Tavares haven't looked great this year together. So I'm I'm just trying to find a new hate. way to split it up. That's the yeah, thing. that's fair. No. I don't hate them together. Man, I don't hate them together. They're um, clearly good. Like they've had success. They're battling it though. And it's funny because like I feel like JT is having individual success. Um, and if you look at both of their point totals, they're both fine. They're fine. He has, I think Willie has one point in his last seven games or something. Right. But he did he start up a lot a point early. a game. He did, yeah. he, he did start, start the season at like a point yeah, a game. He, he racked up a lot early. and then He, he racked it up early when Matthews yeah. was struggling. Yeah. Um, let, let me throw this at you as a third line, Jesse, if we're talking about line combinations. Yeah. What about Hyman, Stahl, Simmons? Do you hate that? There's something. Maybe there's keep, a line. There's a line that you don't want to play. We keep talking about gonna, who's up next, right? And it's Pierre Engvall and Alexander Kerfoot's job to prevent <laughs> this conversation. Yeah. From happening, right? And they've been doing a good job. Engvall's been solid, mm-hmm. um, especially last game. Oh, it sucks so much having Hyman out of the lineup because that dude eats, eats on the third line. I got another yes, line I- combo for you. Give me. Okay, ready? Hyman. I love it. Stall. Mm-hmm. Robertson. That dude uh, or, may not be long for the AHL. Or Simmons, Stahl, Robertson. And here's the thing. If you get Robertson on a line with Eric Stahl, you'll never get the puck because Eric Stahl is going to win most faceoffs. He's over 50% all the time at forever and ever amen. And then you got Nick Robertson, who 
who plays like he plays. And as you said, Steve, if Zach Hyman is that low, because Kerfoot's producing up high, then you've got Zach Hyman who eats pucks a lot. That's a scary third line. Yeah, I think the Leafs enjoy situations uh, like the one they're heading into with Calgary. I think they got this 10-point cushion and the team's doing so well and it just seems like nothing can slow them down. And I think they want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm-hmm. But can we – we might see Nick Patan on the first line tonight, guys. <laughs> like, I think they want to see how it goes. It's Why not? Who's it going to be? It's going to be – Now's the time, right? It might is, be it a disappointment, is it a disappointment that none of us have brought up Jimmy VC? Like I think he took a shot and it didn't work out. They gave yeah. him they've given him an opportunity. And it's funny, I was looking at players the Leafs could give Buffalo to help even out the money a little bit. And I was like, Jimmy VC, oh, you God. imagine? No. <laughs> like like when Amon Ra got got sucks back uh, down into hell in the mummy isn't that his name amun ra yeah i think uh it, yeah the uh, the priest the high priest <laughs> and he gets all the like skeletons and spirits drag him back yeah. that's jimmy vc going back to the sabers is that indiana jones <laughs> no, no it's, it's the, the mummy. mummy did you ever see that with it's, no. it's, it's indiana jones but with brendan frazier it's the same and rachel vice Oh, big crush on I was in Weiss. high school. Oh, Rachel Weiss. Anyway, um, uh, where, where were we? Yeah, Eric so, Stahl, yeah, anyway, a good choice. That, I got, thought that might be a good Yeah, thank you, Steve. I appreciate <laughs> that. Now, let's move on to our Temi Panarin. we got to get into this. Um, so this started with uh, Brooksy uh, of That's What I'm Saying fame. Um, tweeted something that uh, Temi Panarin was leaving the Rangers. And it said, political hit piece in Russia claims he beat up an 18-year-old girl in 2011. So um, I, I, I think it's important that we 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 got to treat this carefully because in any situation like this, you must listen to the victims. However, in this case, from our understanding, the article A was not written by the girl herself. In fact, no, there doesn't seem to be much testimony at all. Number two, it comes from a source that isn't exactly trustworthy. Um, and we should mention too that Artemi Panarin has been an outspoken supporter of Alexei Navalny, who is an anti, who is basically Putin's biggest political rival in Russia, who's just had to leave Russia. Oh no, his wife had to leave Russia. He's gone back to jail. Like there's a whole bunch of, and you know what happens when you speak out against Putin. And this, we've been having this conversation for years. Like, why won't Alexander Ovechkin speak out against Putin? This is what happens. This is what happens. And and I think we talked about it on the show the big deal of Panarin coming out and criticizing him. But then we also talked about the fact that several Russian NHL players liked his post on Instagram. I didn't realize this at the time, but I saw Eric Engels and Isabel Kershidian, um tweeting back and forth at each other. Apparently Alexander Radulov was one of the players who clicked like, and he clicked unlike. You can't even do that. Oof. You know what I mean? So, so th- sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. This, this is support supposedly what happens and it's like you said the story could be true you know believe victims and all that but there is no identified victim this person has not spoke and it's even several layers different than that okay so andre nazarov who was i believe he was a goon for the penguins and i think it's nazarov by the way Nazarov, sorry. Well, more, more importantly than a goon for the Penguins, he was the head coach of Vitas Chehov uh, in the KHL, who was Artemi Panarin's team. 
but also Michaela Neeson's team. So it's Nazarov. I'm, I'm going to say Nazarov. It's Nazarov was the head coach of um, Michaela Neeson. And he's saying that Anison told him that Panarin beat someone up in 2011 at a bar and Anison is to be believed these these are supposedly nazarov's words i've been asking people i don't speak russian so i couldn't read it but uh, nazarov said Anison is to be believed because uh Anison was just drinking juice that night so there's a few things to chew on there first of all not only is there not an identified victim here but it's another degree removed because it's Nazarov saying, Anison said, this happened to this person. Right? Anison, to my knowledge, has not spoken. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're now in a couple different, we're a couple layers deep into hearsay. Um, there are deep political roots in the KHL. And this is basically what Artemi Panarin is saying is happening, right? In his statement. Do you have a statement up, by the uh, way? Uh, I, I do know that the Rangers put one out and they basically said, we can't really say much except for that. We love the guy and we support. Him. Well, no, I think it was a little stronger than that because it was basically, they vehemently deny here it is. Artemi vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations in this fabricated story. Extremely strong wording. This is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him for being outspoken on recent political events. Artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team. The Rangers fully support Artemi and will work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. That's extraordinarily interesting because I could have swore the source was uh, Andrei Nazarov who is in you today in a Russian tabloid said that. Um, so Nazarov has a very interesting history within the KHL. You mentioned he was a goon in the NHL. Um, he was the head coach of Vitas Chehov, who the year before I started doing KHL highlights in it and all that, they were notorious for their brawls. They would have brawls off the opening face off of the game you only get, I think it was four import slots where you could get non-Russian players on your team. And they use their slots on guys like uh, Nasty John Morasty, uh, who I think was like an AHL goon, Jeremy Yablonski. Both of those men, I believe, have fought mixed martial arts. Um, oh, God, who else did they get? Uh, uh, Trevor Gillies, was it, at one point they had... Um, and there were there were rumors that they were owned by people who may or may not be like um, similar to a character you might find in The Sopranos. Um, there's footage of Nazarov uh, basically trying to start a physical fight with a fan. Um, on the note of Anisin only drinking juice that night, there's several videos of him like starting drunken fights. Actually, there's a notorious fight of those guys I just mentioned, uh, Yablonski and Morasti, that I'm sure you've all seen. I've probably directed you towards it before. Uh, these guys challenged them to a fight at a wedding. And because of the language barrier, they're trying to tell them, like, we know what we're doing here. Please, please leave us alone. And then all hell breaks loose, and it's a big knockout fest. So basically, that team that they were a part of, that Panarin and Anison were somehow skilled players on, 
Um, they have a wild and checkered past. Um, yes, Jesse. I was going to say the, uh, in my Twitter mentions today, the three things that people were saying about how, uh, New York came out and said the story was fabricated and the three pieces of ad- evidence that people were pointing at one was the the fight so the juice drinking hey he gets in all these fights the other one was uh, bars aren't really open in Riga on Sundays and the uh, event allegedly happened on a Sunday in Latvia and, so which is- this is in Latvia where this supposedly took place yes and uh that's where bars aren't usually open on sundays and then um also in the story the team flies out for a game but in actuality the game wasn't happening for another seven days so it would be odd for a team to fly to a city for a game that's not happening for like another week so if you go back and check the schedule like the game and the timing of the events don't line up so those are three things that i just saw on my twitter mentioned that people who have like knowledge of the things that are going on in russia are pointing at to be like hey these things don't line up uh new york probably has a point saying that the story is fabricated well and the other the other thing i heard in, in my digging this isn't me making an allegation this is just something that i heard is vetus and to another extent sochi uh two different KHL teams are it's it's a bit of a running joke that they're basically the farm teams for SKA St. Petersburg there's a lot of there's a lot of poaching from St. Petersburg who has a lot of money from these teams who do not um and the problem with that is SKA St. Petersburg is owned I think at least in part by a company called Gazprom which is a a big Russian oil company that I believe is state-owned Right. So you're seeing basically if you want a job in the KHL, um, it would be to your benefit to be pro Putin. And that means going against any detractor of Putin. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an extraordinarily messy story. Um, And it's I was thinking about all the other times we talked about the KHL on the show and and remember our last conversation is when is the KHL going to be like, we don't want to be the fuck up league. And I was just laughing to myself going, you're, you're not that naive. Are you Steve? Well, <laughs> like, let, you, me, let me, you, sorry, keep going, keep going. Well, it's just, I, I don't know why I was like, it's not a league where that conversation is a thing. Right. And so uh, let me, let me read you from uh, Molly Walker here. Uh, Molly Walker, a reporter for the New York Post, a great follow on uh, if you want to follow what's going on with the Rangers. Um, and she kind of mentioned, she goes back and in, deep into this. There, um, you know, there was fear of retribution because J- uh, January 21st, Pinard put up an Instagram post um, with belief that his chances of competing for Russia in the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing would dwindle. Um, talking about you know, uh, Alexei Navalny and said, you know, don't be, uh, so he said freedom for Navalny. Um, Nazarov, who has been described as by respected Russian journalist Slava Malamud, and I'm quoting directly here, as mentally unstable due to several meltdowns behind the bench throughout his coaching career, could be further trying to hinder Panarin's chances of playing for Russia at the Olympics. Nazarov also once called for foreign players who criticize Russia to be jailed, according to Malamud. Um, you know, this is a and, and of course, Panarin sat down for an interview on a YouTube channel and eviscerated Putin in July 2019 
Um, he criticized the entire regime, talked about why he never understood why he, you know, they, cause he had supported them before. He's like, but I was focused on hockey. I wasn't reading anything. And so he goes into, in this interview about like, um, it took me something like two years before I thought something is wrong in Russia. I began, uh, I began feeling with time that at the end of the summer, I wanted to go back to the United States. And so long story short here, there's, it's a mess, but Brooksy from the New York Post put this out as he said, it's a political hit piece. And apparently, is it uh, was it Isabel Krishidian that had who said it wasn't even really that big of a news story in Russia itself? Great minds, Adam. I was about to read that thread. So she uh, she said, this is kind of odd. Panarin has been critical of the Kremlin. But while this story made some headlines here in Russia today, it also didn't seem like it was getting so much attention as to pressure him to take a leave in New York. Uh, There could be more to it too. And then she starts a thread. Since this tweet is being misinterpreted in all sorts of ways, I'll try to clarify a thread. Um, Not saying this couldn't be Kremlin orchestrated smear, but I think that's a bit of a leap. Would be a strange way to go about it. A former coach who isn't credible and no woman has come forward. Not really convincing. The story didn't even really get a ton of traction in Russia until Panarin said he was taking a leave of absence. Also, not saying Panarin is definitely innocent, but no one should just take Nazarov's uh, word for it either, obviously. Uh, It's easy to jump to the most outrageous conclusions when it comes to Russia, because a lot of outrageous things do indeed happen here. But it's also entirely possible Nazarov just decided to say a bunch of nonsense to a questionable media outlet without anyone ordering him to. All that being said, my there could be more to it comment refers to why Panarin might have chosen to take a leave of absence. This story alone clearly didn't succeed in smearing him, nor should it have. People in North America are generally siding with him, but obviously don't know if there's been anything else behind the scenes that spooked him. Maybe he's legitimately worried about his family. Don't think his criticism of Putin uh, has been so intense to trigger such a thing even here, but certainly possible. And by the way, did uh, we ever this, have Isabel on the show? I thought we did. No, we, I don't think we, maybe we have, I, I wasn't here for it. If we did, time like, ago, I might've been she, yeah, She's um, now the Washington post foreign correspondent in Moscow. She used to cover the Washington capitals. I also want to throw this at you guys. Um, the, uh, Ivis, uh, Kalnich, uh, yep. spoke with the hotel spokesperson at the hotel. So the story also says that he, they paid a forty thousand dollar euro or thirty forty thousand euro bribe to to get Panarin off for this and have the local authorities look the other way. And again, remember this didn't happen in Russia; it is alleged to have happened in Latvia. And uh, Kalnich said, "I've reached out to local authorities. The hotel that runs the bar in which the alleged incident would have occurred, uh, and many of Panarin's former teammates, no response as of right now." He said, "Hotel spokesperson as well as multiple other sources have now told me no such incident has occurred." One person who I spoke to uh, answered with no, absolutely not. If you look at Nazarov, what Nazarov said, uh, do a little research, you'd instantly see through his lies. So this is a total mess. This is a total mess. Yeah. And Isabel, Isabel brings up a very good point. Like if this were, because we all go with the sexiest conspiracy theory and the sexiest conspiracy theory is Vladimir Putin was, sti- he was sitting like this with his fingers you know, uh, behind his desk going, I want you to say this about Artemi Panarin. Yeah. More likely, if it is a smear campaign, more likely it was just Nazarov saying this. 
yeah. of his own accord. He was just probably like, <laughs> screw this guy. I hate him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and the, the, I think beyond that, um, beyond that here, I think that there is the New York Rangers angle. And I they think they haven't had a fun year. They have not. And they've had a rough year with abuse allegations. I don't want to call them just alleged this and alleged that. And, and like Leah Sanderson saying, I'll never play for the New York Rangers. Imagine you're drafted by the Rangers. You get to live in New York and you're like, nah, not for me, dog. And then obviously the Tony D'Angelo situation. And we said, you know, they've got it. They've got issues there and they're not dealing with these issues and they've been hiding these issues. This might be the New York Rangers saying, we don't care how small it is. We need to do something. And we're getting, we're getting ahead the, of this. And it's not exactly like they've, they're having a great year anyway. They're going to have a chance to make the playoffs. Let's be honest. So why not? If, if it makes sense for player and it makes sense for team and let, let this sort of figure itself out, who cares? I mean, it's, it, you know, it sucks for the player. It sucks for the team. This is awful. But it's, if, if that's what it takes for a little bit for the New York Rangers to kind of start doing something about their PR and about their alleged inaction when it comes to these sorts of situations, it's good to see. Do you not think? Yes. And actually, sorry, I was I brought up a couple videos earlier. One was of Anisan, the other was of Nazarov. There was another one that I wanted to point you toward. Um, Josh Hennessy, who was a former second round pick of the Sharks. He played, he only played 23 games in the NHL, but that's 23 more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he played for Vitas during the lockout season of 2012-13. And he was on Spit and Chicklets, and he told a story that I've watched a thousand times and he was on Vetus with that old Vetus ownership group that I was telling you about. That's a little bit like Sopranos wild, just a wild organization. And remember I told you years ago, like whenever I see a player sign with a certain team, I'm like, Oh, that couldn't have been your first choice. Vetus. Vetus is that's not a first choice destination. It's it is a unbelievable mess. Um, and I believe Nazarov's been out of coaching for a while too. Yeah. Let me just see. Oh no, I think he's the current head coach. He's the current head coach. Uh oh really? Hockey DB says Neftahemic was his last team, but yeah, he's it's 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 a complete mess. And listen, yeah, it is entirely possible this is true, but we haven't heard from a victim. We haven't even heard from the person the story allegedly came from. Right. So this is, um, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. It's a mess that, it's not just a mess. It's a mess that requires a follow-up. Yeah. There needs to be a follow-up here. Agreed. Agreed. Completely, completely agree. And we will see that and we will follow that as it goes on. Um, so anyway, uh, we do need to talk about uh, a couple of things here quickly. Uh, the Nashville Predators, uh, we sort of mentioned them a little bit earlier, but that team is looking extra bad. And there is one thing that really stood out to me about the Predators and it was what Elliot Friedman had to say about them selling off because that's what they're prepping to do. They're prepping to sell off. Yeah. Who are the three players he named as untouchable on the Nashville Predators roster, Jesse and Steve? Uh, well, in typical Steve fashion, I listen, so I'm cheating, and I also forget. No, no, so, no I'm, I'm asking you. Oh, Tell me. he's Roman Yossi is mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Ryan Ellis is another. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the third. The third one, to me, is the one that is the biggest problem. Jesse, can you name the third player? 
Uh, no. Take a guess. <laughs> Take a guess. <laughs> the three on um, UC Soros? Pekka Rene. I guess the wrong goalie. That's right. <laughs> um, that's. Are we kidding? That's, that's nonsense. Pecorino is untouchable because no one will touch Pecorino. I think it's so they're, they're basically, I guess they want him to be a lifelong pred. Uh, that's nonsense. So that, do you want to be good really you... trying to rebuild the team? That's nonsense. He's 38 years old guys. 38. So maybe, maybe he retires at the end of this season yeah. and not having, you know what? Not having a bad season. Really? No. 908 in a league but, where it's dropping. That's okay. But the Preds are. The Preds are having a bad year. Oh, they're dropping like a rock. Uh, and I'm just bringing up their cap-friendly Preds. Um, cap-friendly Nashville Predators. Okay, let's have a look here. The cap is becoming less of a thing. Like, I know the flat cap screwed a lot of teams, but a lot of teams just literally don't have the dough. And so, I think the Preds so, are one of them. So we should sure- also say that Friedman... Uh, the name that he wrote down on a piece of paper in the 31 Thoughts podcast was because of this Nashville story. So he yes. heard that they were selling off everyone. And in the offseason, uh, the Leafs offered Mikhail Granlund a contract to come here, but he decided to stay with Nashville. So Friedman speculated that, hey, maybe because Nashville's selling off any everyone that the Leafs might be interested in getting Granlund to come here because Granlund had interest in the Leafs in the offseason. Here's the thing. I wouldn't pay for Granlin when you can get him next offseason. He's up for free agent again. Like, nah. Now, Pecorine obviously is going to retire at the end of this year, guys, because he's got $5 million on his on his contract currently. That's what he's making. Um, and he's a UFA at the end of this year. He's 38 years old. Yeah. That's the reason. That's the only reason that Pecorine is not moving. Otherwise, Pecorine needs – they needed to move Pecorine. But when you look at the roster – and the construction of this roster, it's a little scary. Like you've got Johansson, I believe, is on injured reserve. Is he not? Mm-hmm. He is. And then you, yeah. him and Matt Duchesne are both taking up, between the two of them, 20% of the Predators cap currently. Oh, Matt. And people two, complain about Matthews and Marner. Two maybe <laughs> second-line centers. Duchesne's a second-line center in the league. Johansson, I'm not so sure about anymore. Duchesne is in sort of the same class as Monaghan. They can both play on my team. They're both friggin' really good. Okay, now they're your number one option. Oh. Ooh, so he's going up against Braden Point mm-hmm. and Sidney Crosby and Nicholas Backstrom and, you know, Tyler Sagan. And you go down. How many teams would he be the number one center of? And Nashville the- Predators, the Ottawa Senators, not even the Sabres. No, they got Eichel. Yeah, it ain't good. It ain't it's good. Not a good situation. And and let me say this though: what's very, what will be very interesting for Nashville is if twenty-six-year-old Philip Forsberg moves. I mean, there is an opportunity to get a player for a good long time. And you know, it's <laughs> this sounds nuts, okay? Sounds crazy. But if you're Calgary and you want to shake things up, doesn't bring in a guy like Forsberg shake things up? I got a name. Oh, first of all, Adam, to address the question you asked, yes. I sell uh, the farm to get Philip Forsberg into Calgary. That's he, the kind of player they need. He would provide a pot to them uh, that they would desperately need. But I remember an article from a few years ago uh, when Justin Bourne had recently left the Leafs organization and started writing again. Um, he was talking about 
How'd that work out for him anyway? It works for some garbage organization called Garbage. Never do a national radio blogger. Loser. Oh, yeah, now he quit writing and started talking. Oh, what a guy. Can you imagine? Imagine if he did like I I know he has more pride than this, but imagine if he had jump cuts. Like <laughs> terrible. Am I right? <laughs> so anyway, he wrote this article where he was talking about a uh, like a team meeting, and I think it was with the Marlies. Mm-hmm. And Dubas was there. Uh they were having dinner or something like that. And Dubas just in the middle of dinner. Uh not meanly, but he sort of calls out Andreas Janssen. He goes, Yanni, why can't you be Victor Arvidsson? And it was it was meant to be a compliment and also sort of a challenge where he was basically looking at him and going, I see a lot of the same tools. And I thought about the compar- comparison and it's interesting. But now, if Nashville is in selling mode, you know who you can get? Literal Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> Is now, is Victor Arvidsson the same player, Steve? Well, you know, uh, he had he was very consistent for a while. He had 31 goals, 29 goals, 34 goals. Um, last year, he dipped to 28 points in 57 games, only 15 goals. This year, he's got two goals in 17 games and seven points. Asterisk, the Preds suck. So is he a guy who stirs the drink? Probably not. Is he a guy who contributes... A lot on a team with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and William Nylander. Uh, yeah, probably. It's, I don't know. It's a name. Steve, what about the money? I haven't even thought about the money. I don't care. I'm just talking about fun things. And mm-hmm. he would certainly be a fun thing. Mm-hmm. He would. It's interesting that a team that was that good for that long is thinking about breaking it down that dramatically because like Friedman mentions like even a even a young player like Dante Fabro is available mm-hmm. wow at 22 years old Man. I mean you and probably pay a pretty high price for him probably but like you know just so many <laughs> to your point Adam like the Preds just never really made a choice in net um like we talk about up front but you know uh, UC Saros is going to take over it's going to take over and now uh, Rene's got a 908 save percentage and Saros is sitting on like an 882. Yeah. Like now it's just not going to happen. I just don't yeah. think it's going to happen. If he does take over, you're talking about last plays. Yeah. It's uh Yeah, they were supposed to make a that transition like half a decade ago and then in between <laughs> that Pecorino won the Vesna. You know, and you're like, oh, I guess we can't make the switch. He is like, he's like a Jonathan Quick type goalie, right? Or even a Bobrovsky in the sense that it's a good year, bad year. Good year, bad year. He really does have two modes, bum and unbeatable. Yes, yes. But I think at 38, the chances of him going back to unbeatable are less. And if they want to make him a lifetime bread, probably time to retire this year. Uh, You know, it's funny. I'm looking at some names on this list, and I was thinking about it in terms of if the Leafs had not been able to pull off TJ Brody, we'd be still harping on the right side of the defense. And it would just be, there'd be a big old gaping hole. And we wouldn't, we would be considering names like Mark Borietsky, Borietsky and, and Matt Benning and all names that came up before for the Leafs. Wasn't that a name that the Leafs were rumored to be looking at anyway in the off season, Borietsky? Yeah. To run the media relations department after they saw his <laughs> video with Melnick. He played it well. Yeah. Uh, and and Matt Benning, who who they did try to get from the Oilers for Connor Brown. 
this is staggering. This is, oh my God, here's how dire the situation is in Nashville, by the way. Philip Forsberg, eight goals, seven assists, 15 points in 17 games. Good, very good. Very good. Next highest scoring player has eight points. That's Ryan Ellis. Okay, what about after him? Also eight, Roman Yossi. Then also eight, Matt Duchesne. Boy, no one can score. Well, they don't have any finishers on the roster, really, except for Forsberg. And even that's not, he's not big on, like his goals are big by Nashville standards, but they're not. His, the thing with Forsberg is he doesn't shoot enough. This is a guy with a career shooting percentage of like over 12. And he doesn't shoot enough. If you could get him to shoot more and, and also play in more games, because he has had injuries the last four or five years, man, that's a, that's an unbelievable player. Adam, Mm -hmm. the second leading goal scorer on the Preds, who are they? How many they got? Second leading goal scorer on the Preds. I'm looking. I'm going to say Granlin. And I'm going to say five goals. It is not Granlin. He is tied for third. Can I guess that it's a defenseman? Oh, Uh, you are incorrect. Ah, (laughs) I, I, five goals is the number I'm going with Steve. Here's the bad news. Their second leading goal scorer is Kelly Yarncroak. (laughs) Here's the worst news. He's got four. Whoa. Yeah, you're toast with that. Willie's getting skewered, and he's got like six. (laughs) And I think he's like, what, fourth (laughs) on the Leafs? I know they've played more games, but oof, Maron. That's uh, That's bad. Oh, good Lord. Here, I got to look at the Leafs just for my own fun. Matthews is 18, LOL, LOL. Uh, Marner, nine. Tavares, six. Simmons, five. Forgot about that one. Willie, five. Hyman, four. So Hyman, Kerfoot, and Spezza would all be tied for second on the Preds and goals. By the way, Hyman would have had another one if he just scored another empty net goal on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> he God. He's the empty net goal king. And for <laughs> anyone who's like, yeah, but the Leafs have played more games. Cool. Simmons has five in 12 games. Awesome. Wow. Wow. I didn't realize it was that bad. It's bad. Um, lastly, wow. bef- before we get so it, the Nashville sell-off, if it happens, we got a couple more things to get to. First off, the Lake Tahoe pictures, despite what happened on the ice with the sun, I'm sure they can fix that. How beautiful was that? Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, definitely hope that they do Lake Louise uh, in the future. I know that Elliot Friedman sort of talked about that on uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Super uh, would be super cool, and obviously the, the issue, I guess, has to do with advertising uh, along the boards, which. Um, if I'm Lake Louise, the town of Lake Louise, I waive the rule in this particular instance. If the NHL can come, it's pretty good tourist. Uh, uh, you know, it's a big, it, it's a nice tourist spot. It's very small. Um, so you, I wouldn't even want to have fans there. I think you have it fan free and you just have it just a, just it's a ring. Cool. It's cool without the fans, weirdly. The sound. Um, oh. The sound is amazing. And I think you do it without the fans because here's the thing it is pristine, untouched, beautiful nature. And I would, it would bother me if 20,000 people showed up in Lake Louise. It, I don't think it – I mean, I guess they take that in skiers each each, uh, each uh, weekend, but it just seems like a lot of people to flood the town with. However, it's not a, what a no. cool, cool zone to do it in, and I hope they do it. You, you know what you just reminded me of? <laughs> Shoving that many people into a setting like that. You reminded me of Loch Ness in Scotland oh, that, I, that I visited last time I was there. 
which uh, coincidentally, perhaps not so coincidentally, is the first place I ever saw a car flip over. <laughs> it is not made for the amount of people that go through it. So yeah, yeah fan free in Lake Louise or extremely limited. I like fan free because uh, then at least yeah. then if you if you make it extremely limited, then it's like oh, a bunch of rich assholes are there. Let's 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 make it fan free. And it's just hockey, like it wasn't Lake Tahoe, and it was beautiful and amazing. And I know they had to play the game at midnight, but still very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, you know, uh, there was a lot of finger wa- finger wagon at people making fun of uh, the sun, basically postponing a game. Now, the people who are like, "This is why the NHL is stupid." No, that's wrong. I think no. that's wrong. We have but, other. We have legitimate reasons. Not let's not throw this one. Yeah, out, we don't need to know? water them down. Yeah, <laughs> like. Well, this speaking of watered of down, Adam, the ice. So it is. Okay. It's. It is funny that that happened. It's funny that that happened. They found a perfectly logical solution, which was to finish the game when the ice was frozen, and then the next day they played another game and it went off without a hitch and it looked great and it was wonderful. Good yeah. on the NHL for doing, uh, like right in our faces, what we always tell them they cannot do, which is the unexpected. Yes. It was Good nice on for trying. Yep. Good on it for was trying. really nice. And, and I think that was, and somebody, somebody tweeted this either in my timeline or at me or something like that. They're like, this was the original idea with the outdoor game. It's just that they got bogged down in Chicago, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Um, was you know, it the first one in Edmonton? I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah. It was the flames in Edmonton. Wasn't it? The, uh, I think it was the Habs. Cause I remember Jose heritage or something with the, with the Tuke heritage classic. Yeah, yeah, and I understand they want to have fans there and the owners want to have fans yeah. there and they want to make it a home game or whatever. But I think the experience and the visuals, especially in a social media age, boy, I don't know if you can buy that. Pretty cool. Yeah. The NHL saw a big sign that said, hey, we could fit 90,000 people into a football stadium and watch them and make them watch hockey. And they started doing that for 10 years. And then they realized, oh, maybe we should go back to the original maybe, idea. Maybe this makes this? for terrible television, which we <laughs> suck at. <laughs> right. Although, sorry, go ahead, Steve. Well, you know, we overuse the term printing money, but like with the big house game between the Leafs and Detroit, like Burke, Brian Burke, current president of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Brian Burke, uh, came on this podcast and, you know, Bettman was just calling him every day. Go, can can you sell an additional 20,000 seats? Yeah, I need 48 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Did you go to that game, Steve? I did not. Not only did I not go to that game, I didn't watch it live. Because I was at someone's cottage and I was playing on the ice for the first time. Oh, when that's cool. We're playing that outdoor game. And and I tried to, so we watched it when we got home later that day. And I tried so hard to avoid spoilers. And I thought I saw a tweet that said the Leafs lost. And I was oh. so I was so pissed because it's like the third period, Red Wings tie it. And I'm like, of course. Uh, now I'm about to. And then Tyler Bozak wins the game in the shootout. Mm-hmm. Imagine my surprise, <laughs> <laughs> because I thought Wait, I had read. <laughs> that was literally my reaction because I thought I had read that they had lost, oh, and then I see him win, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's over then. And I kept waiting for like a review or something. Right, right. But they had just won. Yeah, it was really cool. well. It's it's uh, uh, and it was also heartening to hear Elliot Friedman talk about the TV deal, which ESPN will be at least in part part of. And this is. This is an important thing. The ESPN and NHL have a long history together, which ended 
with the first major lockout that through the entire season, like there was the lockout in the early nineties. But if you read the ESPN book, which is by the way, a fascinating read into the business of sports, into the formation of a channel that nobody thought could work. You can say what you want about ESPN. um, But Holy smokes, what a, what an incredible read that was. Uh, One of the things that they built that brand on was the NHL. They made hockey, especially in California, accessible. When when the rise of ESPN directly correlates with the NHL, which was, at the time, riding an enormous high coming out of the 80s and going into the 90s. It was considered the next big game. And it was at that time, this will challenge basketball and baseball to be one of the top sports in North America. But the problem is that A, the game got more boring, and B, ESPN pulled out of their $100 million deal in 2004 after they threw the entire season. And that is why Gary Bettman intelligently said to the owners, listen, this is our chance to get right back in with ESPN, and that is the only network in the United States that really matters. Let's be honest. Not that Fox doesn't matter. They matter locally. They matter as a secondary network. But And, and like, I mean, what was it? They were on the Outdoor Life Network for a few years. This cannot continue. you got to get back on ESPN reestablish yourself, get yourself into their highlight packs in the morning, get people interested in this shit some more uh, because you got another American team coming and you need to be on ESPN and it looks yeah. like they're going to be, which is great. That's a really important point there, Adam, because it, to a certain audience, if you're not on ESPN, you're kind of out of sight, out of mind because it's such, it's the biggest sports network in the world. And like, if you go to their website right now and you like click, there'll be like the tabs on the top that are sports and like the sports that are, they cover it's NFL, NBA, soccer, NCAA, uh, men's MMA, NCAA football. Hockey doesn't make the first list of tabs. You have to click like the three dots to hit more and then drop down to the NHL. And if the NHL can just get a little bit of TV coverage from them, all that stuff just spikes up. Maybe they're actually on the front page uh, in the little tabs of the sports leagues. Like they're a a relevant sports league in America again, just by being in connection with ESPN. So hopefully they can get that deal because I just hope they get that for the sake of hockey. I agree. I want to see the the game grow. We also need to get to the point, and I know this puts Steve's in a, a bit of a precarious situation, but we cannot blackout games anymore. We've moved oh, past this. Should I go this. to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah you should. Bathroom. Uh, we, we cannot blackout games anymore. Uh, if you are living in a local area, however you consume that, whether you purchase the streaming rights through uh, whatever app you use, let's say it's on ESPN, let's say it's on TSN or it's on Sportsnet or whatever, or you buy the NHL app. Tell me, how in this day and age you're not pushing people to illegally stream things if you're blacking things out yeah so i yeah i know i work for sportsnet but i've i've said i hate blackouts before and just, um, to, just to explain what that is to people if sure. say say uh adam you have a subscription to a uh, sports streaming site called sports uh, sports get sports. them right this second so you can get the sports right this second on your phone and you and you buy the nhl package which allows you to stream all nhl games but the exception is with for blackouts blackouts are when a game in your region is showing on local cable so if it's if it's showing on tv and you have the streaming app you're not allowed to watch it on the streaming app if it's available on cable and it's not a national game. So the Saturday night games, you can watch them because you can always watch them. But if it's uh, a different day of the week, 
and it's a local game and it's showing on your cable television, you can't watch that on your streaming, even though you pay the subscription for the NHL pack. Right. It's- and all you need to do to solve this problem and boost your viewership is take the local game and put it on the app. And then you get a bunch more viewers on your ads. Now, the the old way of looking at this from an advertising perspective is, hey, wait a second, guys. I have local ads running on my thing and I need to be able to sell local ads. But reality is for hockey, especially in Canada, a lot of those ads are not as local as you'd think. We're talking about national ads most of the time. Like, you know, Panago, for instance, one of our advertisers for years, buys a lot or used to buy a lot of Canucks. I don't know whether they do or not, but I know that they bought Canucks and specifically they would buy local and then they would buy uh, Canucks. They bought on the, uh, remember they used to do the advertising on the boards on the, on the high glass behind the goalies. That was their big out West. They're big out West. And they, and those were, that was on the glass, but it was only on the glass on television uh, because they can do that with, you know, with technology these days. And it's interesting to me that, um, that they, you know, they're a national chain and they're buying local games. Most companies, GMC, Ford, whatever, whatever the big companies are, they're even buying the local games too because it's guaranteed watch. And I think the days of, and this is just my personal opinion, the days of, um, of that local needing to, to serve that local audience are still here. But with technology like, and I encourage you to look this up, ad substitutions, so you can have an ad substitution in your local market. So let's say I'm a Leaf fan in Edmonton and I want to watch a TSN feed of a, of a Toronto Maple Leaf game. And it's a local feed, meaning it is not broadcast nationally on cable. It is just that means, though, that they could be making money off of the local business in Edmonton who is choose, who's chose to advertise to Edmontonians with the ads substituted in. You can do it. They do it in radio, yeah. uh, uh, on, on uh, iHeartRadio. I, I know in the States we do it in Canada as well podcasting we do it it's crazy uh so i just i you know i i feel like you know the nhl the next step and I, hopefully this is a part of the new tv deal stop making people stream things illegally you have got to give them the opportunity to do it easily nobody wants to steal i mean not to bring up his name but like was it louis ck steve that said that's that? exactly where i was gonna go yeah no and well okay Yes, let's acknowledge all the bad things he did. But yes, terrible. When when he was on top of his game, there was a uh, business. It, he he revolutionized stand up comedy in that he released a special that he independently produced, and he put it on a website. And he went, "It's five dollars." And his anti theft strategy was asking people not to steal politely, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, people paid because he made it easy. He made it easy. Because, and I remember he did an interview, he was talking about, he's like, in Australia, they just steal. <laughs> they just, because it's such a pain in the ass. I don't know if it still is, but it's such a pain in the ass to get anything there. Yeah, Australia um, was really locked down for a while with that stuff. Yeah, so I'll just pirate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just yeah. make it easy. And you're yes. right. You're right. Most people do not want to steal. No, I don't want to, dude, I don't want to go on some crazy Reddit thread and get a dot RU that, that is streaming the game and get that shit on my computer. No, thanks. Yeah. I, I want to buy the NHL package. Remember we were talking about the AHL one too. It was like $400. <laughs> and as soon as we talked about it, they're like, oh, by the way, we, uh, we put out a new uh, AHL package and you can buy it for uh, $99 yeah. now. There was one point when um, the AHL full streaming season package costs more than the NFL equivalent in Canada. Two times more. 
NFL Sunday ticket is what it's called. It's like 200 bucks for NFL Sunday ticket. The AHL was like, no, we want 432. Thank you very much. It was absurd. Absurd. And then, of course, as soon as we mentioned it, they changed it. And here comes Leo. Baby Leo coming on the podcast. (laughs) He's very upset. So we. Is he? The blue room is. Sorry to interrupt the conversation. The blue room is usually a guaranteed cry stopper because he he looks around. He loves all the hockey stuff in here. Oh. You feeling better, buddy? You're in the blue room. Hey. All right. If you're listening to this, I apologize. He is sorry, horrible and you should check it out. <laughs> yeah, Steve's talking to a baby, not us. If if you're just listening, a, hold on. Is this a pre-victory baby, Steve? No, this is no victory baby. <laughs> I will not use my son. Victory baby. No, he's getting something out of this in that he is not crying anymore. Yeah. There's toys everywhere. There's all these dolls. How could he not be excited about? He it? likes the toys. Leo. Ha. Ha. Busy, busy, busy. There's a little smirk. Babies never oh, perform on command. It's annoying. You were upset, weren't you? Look at those cheeks. He's he's eight months old today. Wow. Yeah. Are you sleeping full nights? Sorry? You sleeping full nights yet? Full nights. And he's got one tooth. <laughs> that I think Love is that. bugging him, and that's probably why he's cranky. <laughs> well listen it seems like a good time to actually wrap up the show i know we did have a press conference to get to but we talked too long uh-huh. so uh uh it is 4 25 in our time steve your video has officially dropped with david Ayers, and so, like, uh <laughs> yeah, i think we're gonna wrap it up guys are you guys uh, good yeah sorry. i think steve has a baby to tend to so yeah. we must end the podcast <laughs> i'm sorry everybody no don't be sorry man we i gotta go pick up everly from daycare so uh, i'll see you later here oh there's All a right. smirk and then a smile so Leafs Flames tonight, Not we will so see much. you Thursday. And uh, you definitely want to check out the end of the show for Leo. Oh, he's smiling. Yay. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.